Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Is racism hurting you? On issues of race, are you unable to speak, think, and act with clarity and confidence? Are you tired of laughing when nothing is funny, smiling when you are not happy, agreeing when you really disagree? Counterracism.com, you can learn specific strategies and techniques to counter the behaviors of the people who practice racism in all areas of activity. Using words correctly, following counter-racist logic, even counter-racist science projects designed to reveal what racism is, how it works, and how to counter it. The open source code writing format allows you to pick and choose from a variety of counter-racist suggestions so you can produce the code that works for you. Stop by counterracism.com today and help replace. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the cows. This is Justice here at Block Talk Radio. If you want to learn, listen, understand, and question, go to blocktalkradio.com/victim dash of dash racism and for more information on racism white supremacy go to my blog just do justice today dot blogspot dot com my email address is justice dot asap at yahoo dot com replace white supremacy with justice asap you're just saying just buckets and buckets of words for anyone out there uh, I know I focus a lot of my time and energy on racism, uh, and it seems that you do too. Uh, for anyone out there, because I've heard this from folks who says, you know, racism is, is not that big a deal. Uh, we've got plenty of other problems. You shouldn't, you know, spend so much time focusing on racism. It's not that big a deal. Uh, what would your response be to someone who said that? That's because they they are not um, feeling what we as um, people in the black community are experiencing. Now, you know, racism is something, you know, it it has the effect that people can lose their lives through racism, which is what happened to my son. And if people think it's not such a big a deal, please tell me, how did why did my son have to die? Why did my son have to die? And why do so many other young people have to die through racism if it's not such a big a deal. <coughs> Greetings, uh, Gus T. Renegade Justice. Welcome another broadcast of The Cows. Um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in 
to broadcast. Uh, we have two programs today. Um, next program will be at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, and 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, we will have Mr. D'Amico Booth uh, on the program. He's actually written quite a few books. Uh, we're going to be talking about one specifically this evening, Suggestions, Things Non-White People Can Do That Would Help Work Against uh, Racism, White Supremacy. A lot of what he talks about, uh, they're just practical, everyday things that we could do that would be uh, a big help uh, in improving our quality of lives. So two programs today. Uh, we'll be right back uh, later this evening for folks in the States. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, our guest for today's program, uh, this was a suggestion, uh, a loyal listener uh, out in the UK. Uh, he goes by the handle Salient One. Uh, I think he saw some of the discourse around uh, Halle Berry and uh, the issues over her child uh, and whether her child is going to be labeled black or white or whatever. Um and a lot of people have been talking about this incident, and he sent me some links uh, to folks who were also talking about this subject uh, in the United Kingdom, and it was pretty interesting, and he asked if I'd be willing to try to have some of these folks come and share their views with us. Uh, I found one of the folks, and she was willing. Uh, she uh, resides in the United Kingdom, and she is the founder of the UK-based uh, organization, Intermix. Uh, just to give you a little bit of uh, background information about this organization, uh, Intermix uh, was started in 1999 with a grant from the Family Learning Millennium Awards. Um, the purpose uh, for this organization uh, is to address uh, the imbalance by acknowledging and celebrating the achievements of mixed race individuals and their families, past and present. Uh, the founder believes this will re-educate society with the objective of ensuring the 21st century will not see the mixed race experience as an issue, but as a positive contribution towards a more harmonious society. Uh, the address uh, for Intermix is intermix.org.uk. Uh, intermix, I-N-T-E-R-M-I-X dot O-R-G dot U-K. Uh, lots of articles, books, uh, film reviews, a lot of information. Check it out. Real pleasure to have her, uh, have her on the program with us live from the United Kingdom, uh, Miss Sharon Hall. Uh, Miss Hall, are you with us? I am, I am. Uh, good evening. Well, it's evening over here. <laughs> Uh, good evening. It's uh, it's noon here, but uh, hey, <laughs> big world, big world. Um, thank you so much for sharing some of your time with us. Real pleasure to uh, have you on the program. Oh, it's a pleasure for me, too. For sure. Um, for some of our listeners, if they uh, have not visited the website yet, uh, which I'm sure they will, um, could you give them a little bit more background information just so they'll know a bit more about who you are and the work that you do? Well, basically, it's just a place where people who are racially mixed or people in uh, racially mixed relationships can come, find out information, talk to other people in similar situations to themselves, um, and not feel that they have to be one or the other. You know, they can just be themselves. 
Um, and it also contains a lot of information that you don't see um, sort of in the national curriculum or, um, you know, in any sort of um, context really in the UK. It's the only place where you see that sort of information, such as mixed-race icons, um, you know, books, films, just things so that if you are part of a mixed-race family, um, that you don't feel like, you know, you're on your own. There's lots of information there. Right on, right on. I want to explore some of the material um, that you have on the website, and we're definitely going to make mm-hmm. some time to get the Halle Berry situation as well. Um, okay. Before uh, we hop into everything, uh, this program, The Cows, uh, Context of White Supremacy, I have unfortunately concluded that we are in a global system of racism, white supremacy, I use those two terms as synonyms, and I have the exact same definition for both terms. Uh, That definition is as follows. A global system of people who classify themselves as white and are dedicated to abusing and or subjugating everyone in the known universe whom they classify as not white. Uh, Do you believe that such a system exists, and do you think that definition is accurate? I definitely believe in racism. Um, I can't say I wholly agree with that. I I do believe that there is um, a class system, certainly in the UK anyway, um, and basically it's money and power that, that dictate um, how people are treated in this country. Um, There are a few people um, of colour that can be just as nasty um, as any white supremacist. Um, So I would say that money and power are actually more damaging um, than the colour of your skin in the 21st century. Okay. Wow. I just just so that uh, my listeners and everyone and myself were all clear, you oh, yeah. you do not think that there is a global system of racism, white supremacy. Um, I do believe that racism is global and that it exists in every country. I do believe that. I believe that if you happen to be black, very dark, you're at the bottom, and um, until we address that Double from the women. bottom up we're never going to change things. Um, so, you know, I am always working towards starting at the bottom and working up, uh, which is part of the reason why, you know, I like to differentiate between black and mixed race, because I think that, you know, a lot of the time mixed race is used as the acceptable face of black, and I don't want to see that. I want to see, um, especially people who are very dark, I want to see more of them, you know, within media, within the education system, and, you know, rightly recognized. Yeah, I completely uh, agree with that. I think there's a lot of evidence uh, that the darker you are worldwide, um, the worse. Shadism, shadism, definitely. And, you know, a lot of people don't want to talk about it, and, you know, This is part of, you know, as far as I'm concerned, as a mixed-race person, I have to stand up and say, 
I see this and I recognize it and I don't want you to use me in that way. Um, you know, even when we, um, we're not at Halle Berry yet, but basically when people stand up and say they're black when they have a white parent, to me, they're taking something away from the black community. And a lot of people don't understand what's being taken away. But for every time you use a mixed race person to replace a black person, you're taking something away from that black person. Do you know what I mean? It means less, one less black person um, has that acting job or, you know, um, has a position in a company. Mm. I, I have heard that... Uh that sentiment expressed before uh, in terms of, and, and when you say when you use, uh, I think it's very important to try to be clear about who is doing the yeah. using. I think it is yeah. white people yeah. uh, who are responsible for this using. It is, it is, but you see, unfortunately, what happens is that um, I think a lot of black people don't understand what is going on. Um, and and they're so grateful sometimes just to get somebody to say, oh, this person is black. You know, they they want to associate with that person and be proud that they don't realize what's happening. I mean, take the situation with Obama. I'm really happy Obama is president, but he is a mixed race president. His mother was white, and that gave him certain privilege. I, you know... It's great. It means that America has taken a step forward, but it's not all the way there. You do not have a black president. And as far as I'm concerned, all of them young black boys that are, you know, want to grow up and be president, one of them is going to be the first one. It's not Obama. And it's that that I'm trying to sort of show. Um, but basically, because Obama had a white mother, he had certain privileges that I myself, I have a white mother. I know there are certain things that I get from my mother. There were certain doors that I could go through because of my mother. Uh, so that meant that my life chances were different than if I had two black parents. And that's where that difference comes in. Not only that my skin is lighter, um, so I look different, but also that my par my white parent brings something more to the mixture. Do you know what I mean? <clears throat> it's not always a, it's not always a good thing, <laughs> but <laughs> it does change your life chances. And I certainly think that if um, Barack Obama had had two black parents, I think his life journey would have been different. I, I agree 1,000%. Um, I, <laughs> um, I had a, a question I wanted to follow up on, but I wanted to go back. I'm not trying to um, be uh, no, silly no. or anything. I just wanted to, because uh, you, you brought up the class issue. Do you, are you, Were you yeah. saying that you believe that at this point, money, that is the dominant issue. It's about money, if you have money or not, that that at this point uh, is more dominant than the influence of racism, white supremacy? Um, I would say so, yeah. I'd say money and power, because power doesn't always equal money. Uh, but money and power, um, to a certain degree, mean that race is kind of put to the side. I mean, I know I've heard um, Oprah say that there are certain shops on Rodeo Drive she still can't go in, but there's a lot that she can go in. 
And, you know, if you have a lot of money and a lot of power, you may be the wrong color, but you can certainly just go wherever you feel comfortable and enjoy your life. If you are poor, working class, struggling, um, then your color is really going to, um, you know, be at the forefront of your life experiences. You know, and you find the higher up the chain you go, the more you start to mix with the middle classes and higher, even though they may be racist, they are less likely to show it. Hmm. Wow. Context of white supremacy. Um, yeah. I wanted to, because uh, I just I thought that was fascinating uh, when you talked about uh, just having, being treated better by white people if you have a white parent. And I wanted to know at what age did you become aware that, oh, white people treat me better than black people because I have a white parent? Well, I, I, that's not the case. I, I wouldn't say that's the, the case because I actually get treated, I've been treated good and bad by black and white. And um, I think as growing up, you go through different stages. And when up until I was 12, I lived in a predominantly white area. And in this white area, I was called awful names. I don't know if you have them in the States, but over here we had names like Sambo and Nignog um, and Wog. And they were the sort of names that I got called all the time. And it made me very miserable when I was young. I didn't really understand. Uh, and then when I was 12, we moved Ms. to a predominantly black hair. Yes. I'm sorry. I, I'm so sorry. I just, I've never heard the one, Nignog before. I've heard. Yeah, one. yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> Nignog. What, is, what does that mean? I don't know. I don't know what it means. It's a very, I mean, you're, you're talking about the 70s now. You're talking about late 60s, early 70s. Um, there was a program over here at the time called Love Thy Neighbor. Have you ever heard of it? No, ma never. No, ma'am. Right, it was called Love Thy Neighbor, and it, it, it starred a very um, famous Trinidadian actor called Rudolph Walker. And basically, he was a black man that moves next door to a white man. And the white man was extremely racist and would call him all these names. And the object <laughs> of the... This sounds like Archie Bunker. When did when did this show come on? Love that name. Uh, this was in the seventies. This was in the seventies. Man. Uh, so, have you, have you but heard you of see, what was? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. What was interesting about Love Thy Neighbor? I mean, everybody screamed at the time and they said, "Oh, this is really racist," because he was calling him really racist names. But Rudolph Walker, um, who's he's a big actor over here now because he he's in a, one of the soaps over here, EastEnders. Um. Every single episode, he showed the white man to be an idiot. He won him over without being violent, without being aggressive, just by being smarter. So that even though there was a lot of racism within the program, you saw the black man coming on top all the time. Um, they tried to bring it out again, like in the 90s, and people have complained and said no, because the truth is all that name-calling, what would happen is children would pick up on that, and they would go to school, and they would start calling us all them sorts of names. So that was around at the time uh, when I was living in the white area. When I moved to the black area, then I got called different names. Then I got called yellow and breed and got told that, you know, I didn't belong 
So there was, but it wasn't everyone. In both groups, it wasn't everyone. There would always be lots of people that were very welcoming and fine on both sides. And there would always be people who weren't welcoming. And that's the way of the world, isn't it? You know, uh, in all groups, you are going to find some nasty people and some good people. Uh, I mean, I, I can remember for a long time, I didn't believe that black people could do any wrong. Do you know what I mean? I I, I always believed they were the people that were put upon and they, they must be good. <laughs> but, you know, real life tells you that you can't actually judge a person by the color of their skin. You have to judge them by their character, by how they behave by what they do. Um, and that's how I live my life. Um, and it works very well. Um, I guess I wanted to, to clarify uh, one of my, my earlier comments. Uh, I thought we were in agreement, but I'm glad you clarified. Uh, I have concluded that the general trend is that non-white people who have a white parent, white people tend yeah. to treat them better. And I thought that, you know, we were in unison there because you were citing President Obama as an example of this and how he likely would not be president if he had two black parents. Are you saying you don't think that trend is accurate, that non-white people with a white parent are generally treated better by white people? Um, are they treated better than black people? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Do you yes. feel you have been treated better? than black people because you have a white parent? Yes. Okay. I would definitely say that, but not by everybody. And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that all white people are bad and all white people are racist because I don't believe that. But there are people out there that will treat me differently because my mother is white. Wow. I want to, if I can, if I can ask, when you were around, you said you started in a mostly white neighborhood and then you moved with your yeah. mom. Were your mom and dad yeah. still together? Or they got divorced. Uh, they didn't get divorced until I was sixteen, but I left home at fourteen. Oh wow! Um, I left home at fourteen. Uh, basically, I was living in a black area, and um, I became a punk rocker. I don't know if you know about punk rock. Well, you must know what punk rock was. <laughs> I became a punk rocker. You know, I mean, Manchester, it was it was the start of the punk rock scene. Um, and I was very interested in it. And, you know, that wasn't acceptable in a black area um, for someone to behave that way. Um, so I left home, left Manchester, and, you know, moved to London, where... You know, in London, you can be whatever you want to be. It's a very um, cosmopolitan place. Uh, I suppose it would be similar to New York, even though I've never been to New York, but people say that, you know, it's similar to London. Hmm. Did your parents, when you were growing up, did your parents talk to you about racism and how to deal with being called a nignog and a wog and all this? Um, it was very difficult. My my father talked talk, talk to me about it quite a lot because my father was in the army and he was based in America and he would he he was a British soldier though. Uh, he was from Barbados and he was in the British army and he was based in America and he said, as a British soldier, he could go through the white doors because he was a British soldier. Uh, but he told me, you know, definitely, you know, that story if you're 
white you're all right if you're brown you can hang around and if you're black you get you know you better stay back and basically that was um you know what i was brought up on um but i wasn't as much aware of um sort of the differences between black and white i was aware that there were people that didn't like us because of the color of our skin but i didn't understand the politics behind it Hmm. Um, I don't think it was until sort of like the 80s that, you know, I started to see things. It's as you get older, when you're very young, you miss a lot of things. A lot of things obviously happened when I was younger that had uh, racist elements to it. But I didn't react at that age. I was too young to understand what was going on. Hmm. Did your mom, um, your white mother, did she speak to you about racism? Did she try to help you, you know, kind of understand what was going on? Um, no. Uh, my mom um, had epilepsy and um, came from a very working class background. And, um, you know, there were six of us at home. I think she had enough to do just bringing us up as it was because uh, my father worked very long hours, so it was very difficult. So, no, uh, my mum didn't know how to deal with it at all. And, you know, she had her share of problems. You know, she would have people spit at her and, you know, not be very nice to her because she was with a black man. And, in fact, her family completely disowned her. Her mother died without ever speaking to her again. Um, and, you know, I don't know my mother's family at all. You've never had contact with them? Uh, I met my grandfather once um, a couple of years ago, uh, which didn't go very well at all. Um, they weren't interested. They didn't want somebody um, of color in their family at all. Wow. Uh, well, wow. but you know, it's quite a normal thing um, to happen that you know the family would disown. Double. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, but that happens a lot in mixed relationships. You know, basically, if you are a couple and that happens, then, you know, you've got to find um, other ways to build up a network of support. You know, sometimes we have to leave our families behind, you know. We don't always want to, but, you know, sometimes we have no choice. Hmm. I, um, I'm just curious. Um, as, what has your observation been with regards to families not being accepting of this behavior? Um, has it been, have you noticed a trend in terms of uh, white families more apt to get upset about this than black families, the vice versa? Is it about the same? Have you noticed any trends? I, I would think, it, I would say it was more white families and definitely Asian families as well. Um, <clears throat> Asian families, you know they have um, honor killings, basically, and I mean, from an Asian perspective, uh, if you are in a relationship with a black person, um, because they see Double themselves whammy. further up the chain, yeah, um, they see you stepping down. Do you know what I mean? So they're, they're not very acceptable of that. But like I say, there's always exceptions to the rules. I mean, you know, you go Trinidad, where there are lots of black and Asian uh, families um, quite happily you know, mixing and, and enjoying themselves. You're always going to get people who don't agree. And you're always going to get some people who do agree. And, you know, the thing is, if you're in that sort of relationship, 
try and find people who you know who are um you know happy with your life choices mm. uh context of white supremacy our guest uh live from the United Kingdom, uh, the founder of Intermix, uh, Miss Sharon Hall. Uh, and the website, again, uh, if you want to check it out, intermix.org.uk. And it's linked if you're listening from Blog Talk Radio. Just click Intermix, take you right to the website. Um, when you were growing up, uh, how, did you, how did you reference yourself? Like, what did you tell people your racial identity was? Oh, well, in them days, we were known as half-caste, which is a horrible term, but basically we didn't know any better. Um, It it more or less comes from India, basically, and that caste system over there. Um, And we hated it, you know, because we just thought, well, you know, we're not half of anything. But there was no real term. And then sort of towards the end of the 80s, the word mulatto started... um, being banded about but again you know you look that up in the dictionary and that was a mule so you know we didn't agree with that either it wasn't until the 90s that the term mixed race started um well it started in america actually america was the first place that i really um sort of heard people talking about that term and i felt happy with it so you know i adopted it basically Hmm. Um, mixed threat, and that you have a piece. It's excellent. Um, it's time for foundation. Uh, it's posted on. Oh Internet. yeah, yeah. And uh, folks, yeah. you can you can check it. I'm, I'll link it. I'll link it in the description. So people can <laughs> it. Um, but uh, you talk about the importance of terms, and that's something that I, I too yeah. agree is is vital uh, if we're going to make some progress on racism. And yeah. Well, you know. Over here, they're trying to get a, uh, they're trying to do away with the term mixed race. They want to use this term multiple heritage, you know. And as far as I'm concerned, race is important. You know, they're you know people are saying, oh, race doesn't exist; it's a social construct. But racism does. And as long as racism exists, you have to acknowledge the existence of race. And you know, as far as I'm concerned, it is because I am racially mixed that people react to me in a certain way, but I have this inner conflict where, you know, one part of my family basically is oppressing the other part of my family. And I want I want to, people to, to know that I recognize that. Do you know what I mean? I want people to know that exists inside of me, which is why I'm happy with the term mixed race. I think race is important. It must be there. I always put the hyphen to show that the two are linked. Um, and in terms like dual heritage and multiple heritage, you know, anyone can be dual heritage. Basically, if I up and move to America, I'd be dual heritage. It would have nothing to do with my color of my skin. It would just mean I had two different, you know, I had one culture and I'm now moving to another. Um, but over here, they're, they're using that term to try and get away from mixed race because they just want to sweep it all under the carpet. Mm. Are we talking about white people again when we say they want to sweep it under the carpet? Uh, No, we're talking about the state and the establishment. Um, And, you know, I would say that majority of people um, in positions of power there are white. 
but it's not it's not unique to white because you know there are you you, you have to realize that there are some black and mixed race people who have been miseducated so to speak um you know i thought that was very interesting about the colonial system because the colonial system teaches you to oppress yourself you know they leave everything in place uh so that you carry on oppressing yourself um and that system that colonial sort of education system exists over here i know it exists in the caribbean as well um i think you have i think it's very different in america um so i don't know how that works over there um but i have met um you know people of all um black people asian people all sorts of people who are just as um racist or ignorant um because they've been miseducated that's interesting i i definitely i know myself hey i put gus's name at the top of the list i have been miseducated about many things uh because of racism white supremacy but uh for yeah. me there's a there's a big difference because well it's what i said at the beginning I believe that there is a global system of white supremacy and that that is the dominant force on the planet. And because of that, non-white people don't have the power that white people do. So for me, it's very different when I see a non-white person that's confused about racism as opposed to when I see a white person. Well, you see, I I, I would say – I wouldn't say that all non-white people don't have the power because there are certainly – um, a lot of people of color that have power and have wealth and are quite comfortable in them situations and choose not to change the situation of their brothers and sisters. There are plenty of people out there like that. Um, so um, I would say, all right, it's not the same amount, but there is a lot. You know, I mean, look in America, you've got a lot of middle-class black Americans that are very comfortable. And um, I find that difficult to contemplate. I mean, I don't know if I could personally be that comfortable and then look at my brothers and sisters who were in a very, very bad way. And it's, it's very difficult, isn't it? Because then, you know, you have to say, well, is it because they didn't want a job or because they're on drugs or because of this or because of that? Um, I think you have to look at yourself as a human being and what you give to the world, regardless of your color. You know, what you give back to the world. Not what you can take, but what you give back. Um, um, I guess, you know, I'm I'm in the in the States and uh yeah. I know President Obama, I mean you talk about a, a non white person who uh would at least appear to be uh, in a position with a lot of power and influence and the ability to get things done. And I just see President Obama degraded by white people on a on a constant basis. They draw pictures of he and his entire family as monkeys and uh, call him nigger on a daily basis. I mean, they have thousands of nigger jokes about it. Matter of fact, I'll share a joke because we're supposed to be sharing a racist joke every program. This is a oh. joke that a white person uh, bragged, telling about President Obama, who's a non-white person who's supposed to have some authority worldwide. He said, do you know what the similarity is between President Obama, or I'm sure he didn't say president, <laughs> between President Obama and an apple? And then the punchline is, 
they both look good hanging from a tree. And this is, you know, 21st century with a white parent. So, I mean, when I hear things like that and see things like that on a constant basis, it kind of makes me feel like, huh, just being non-white means that you really don't count for much uh, in this system worldwide and some mistreatment. But, you know, America, I mean, um, America has always been like that, well, definitely for a couple of hundred years, Um, but not all Americans, not all white Americans are like that. And I do believe that there is a very racist element in America, but there is a very racist element in the UK as well. You know, at the moment we have something called the English Defense League, um, which is not a very nice organization at all. And slowly I I really believe that um, England is changing its immigration policy to kind of re-whiten itself. So um, immigrants are not encouraged now from the Caribbean, from Africa, from Asia, but Eastern Europeans are. And what that does is it, it kind of rewhitens the country. Isn't that kind of happening in many uh, European areas right now? This, this, uh, I guess, rail against what they're calling multiculturalism and and saying that it's failed and and we're tired of all this multicultural stuff. Well, well, I mean, who's saying that at the moment? Is the president, who uh, not the president, the prime minister, David Cameron? who is a Tory, he's a conservative, and the conservatives are very right-wing anyway. Um, You know, they're not um, in favor of immigration. Um, And in fact, the conservative party have always been linked, associated with being racist. You know, I would never vote (laughs) Tory. And funnily enough, what they did... Uh, when they just recently had their, um, you know, were trying for the election, was they had some black woman on an advert, and it said, um, you know, I never thought I'd vote Tory, but I'm thinking about doing it now. And um, they won the election, but they didn't win the election on, um, you know, all of the vote. They only got a proportion of it, which is why we have a coalition, but, you know, a majority of people in this country, I don't believe, want the Tory party. And I think a majority of people in this country are not right-wing racist. But the small amount who are are in positions of power. You mm. know, and and that's where you have a problem. Um, when the people with the power are the ones that have these sort of, you know, outdated racist views. I mean, you know, there's a certain member of our royal family that's made some white racist comments in the past. Made some what racist comments? <laughs> some white racist comments. You know, um, the Queen's husband, he's well known for saying the wrong thing. Oh, what types of things has he said? Uh, oh, gosh, I can't re- recall the exact words that he said, but he's well known for making racist comments. Oh, did he call someone a nicknog or? Not quite, but not far off. Oh, wow. (laughs) Not far off. I mean, but, you know, that's well known in British society. You know, it's well known um, that he is racist, you know, 
everybody knows it. And they kind of just, what can you do? He's the Queen's husband. He's not going to live forever. <laughs> wow. That's, even to me now, that's quite, uh, that's quite telling about the planet in which we live, that you can have a small number of people that most people don't yeah. like, where one of their representatives can be racist and become prime minister, and you can have the queen married to someone who everyone knows is racist, and that's just the way it is. That, to me, that lends yeah. a lot but to that, why I can that is how That is how planet. things used to be. And, you know, what we hope will happen is sooner or later, these people are going to die out, and there is going to be a new uh, way of thinking. Because, you know, you find most young people don't have them sort of negative attitudes. They don't. And, you know, what we want is that old elite to just die off. You know, it'd be nice if they die off. Unfortunately, they have so much money and power that they hang on, don't they? They hang on for such so many years. Well, the rest of us, you know, we get caught by, you know, all the diseases that money can't cure. Yeah, it is a tough, a tough spot. Um, I was curious because I wanted to, to hit that term mixed race, and I, I wanted to know uh, your understanding of the term race. If you could share what you mean when you say race. Well, I, um, you know, they say race is a social construct, and I do believe that. I do believe that race was um, a term that was invented by the colonialists. It was a way to separate people and put white on the top. Um, and to me, that's what race what race means. When I when some if I say that I'm black, I may be black politically. I am black politically. You know, there's no way uh, two ways about it. You know, I support um, the movement for black equality. Um, but I am not black. As in the black race, I am mixed race because I have parents of, you know, two different races. And that's what I understand. You know, race is just a way to separate people. And it's it always is to the benefit of white, you know, no one else. And there's that, you know, that that um, sort of shadiest grade, isn't it? I mean, you know, the fact is, if you're mixed race, you can look anything. I mean, let's take Halle Berry. She's been able to play a white actress because of the way she looks. I know, when I was in Tobago um, a couple of years ago, people were calling me white. Now, I never look in the mirror and think of myself as white. I would never walk down the street and say I was white because, you know, I've got um, Afro hair. Well, I've got dreadlocks, but, you know, there's no way I would um, think that someone could look at me and say I was white. But when I was in Tobago... Everybody said I was white, and they wouldn't listen to me, no matter what I said. They said, "No, you're white," because compared to them, I was white. Were the and that's the difference. Oh, you know, in a white country, in a white country, I'm black. In a black country, I'm white. In Tobago, where the people who thought you insisted that you were white were these non-white yeah. people. Yeah, these are black people. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see that a lot. I I have yeah. uh, try I try to emphasize on this program that non-white people often get very confused. What you said earlier, we have been miseducated, and we often get yeah. very confused about racial classifications, and particularly yeah. 
over classifying white people. And that means yeah. uh, classifying some folks as white who white people do yeah. not accept as white. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to go back um, to race because I, I feel that's real important. Um, foundation. Yeah. Foundation. You and I totally agree um, that this concept of race, it always benefits white people. <laughs> it was it's set up to benefit them, to mistreat people that are not white. Uh that's the whole history of this concept. Yeah. And I get I wanted to share my thoughts. With the term mixed race, it seems that it is supporting the idea of race and supporting white people because at least to me it seems to suggest that you have non mixed, pure races of people. And that's not true. Like that in no, life. but no. In, in in fact, I would say that all people are mixed race. But the reason why I use the term mixed race is because I think that you have to show that there is a difference. There is a difference between me and somebody who has two white parents, and there's a difference between me and someone that has two black parents. And the only reason why that difference exists is because of racism. I agree. If racism racism didn't exist, there would be no need for me to say I am mixed race. I am an earthling. I am human. That would be fine. But because racism exists, I have to say that I'm mixed race because I have to show that there is a difference in my experience and a white person, and there's a difference in my experience and a black person. Listen, I have a sister. My sister is black, right? Her mother is black, and we have the same father, right? She is very dark. And I can remember sitting watching a program with her, and it was um, an English program, EastEnders, and they said, oh, we've got a new black character coming on. So the black character comes on, and what is she? She's mixed race. And the first thing my sister said is, she's not black, you know? The first thing I saw was, oh, my God, she's a sex worker, you know, because basically, if you're a mixed race Double actress, whammy. you tend to get given, yeah, jobs as sex workers. And that goes right back to slavery when they even actually bred mixed race women, you know, the quadroons that they called them to, to work in their brothels, etc. Um, you know, there's lots of history there that needs to be examined. But because there's no separation, it never gets examined. It never gets challenged. You know, it's it's all that thing. That basically, white people think that mixed race people are taken care of by the black community, and the black community think that mixed race people are taken care of by the white community, when actually nobody takes care of them. But now mixed race people are actually starting to stand up for themselves and. I'm talking about a grassroots level now. I'm not talking about celebrities because that's something completely different. But on a grassroots level, mixed-race people are actually going out there and discovering more about themselves, more about a mixed-race history, a mixed-race experience, um, because mixed-race is not just a black-and-white thing. You know, there are mixed-race people who are, say, Iraqi and Swedish. That is a mixed-race person. I um I just I wanted to make sure I emphasize because I I totally <laughs> agree. Like if it was not for racism, white supremacy, we wouldn't even be having this discussion. 
um, no, that there wouldn't. needs to be. It's vitally important to make that distinction uh, between, you know, a person who has two white parents, person who has two uh, black parents or what have you, and a person who has a non-white parent and a white parent. You know, parent. Uh, we, we have had um, a, a few white supremacists try to hit our website, um, try and bring us down quite a few times in the past. I'm not so, you know. Yeah, I, I, you know, I do know they're out there. <laughs> We're constantly having to watch the site uh, for that sort of thing. Um, so I do acknowledge that it's out there. And I know that in America, um, even though I've never been to America and I would like to go, but in America it's a very different situation than it is in the UK. Um, even though there are racist people that exist in the UK, for the majority of time, you know, the community is very integrated. It's not, um, you know, you don't have sort of, you know, completely black areas and completely white areas. Um, there is always a mixture of people um, who live and work together. Uh, whereas, you know, my idea is that in America, there are, like, black districts and white districts. Um, and I, I, you know... I'm sure there must be some mixed districts. Depends on where you go. Um, right. I did want to, I wanted to go back because I think this is very important with the concept yeah. of uh, race and, you know, this not being relevant if there was no racism and the importance yeah. of uh, yeah. recognizing that you have a white parent and a non-white parent. Yeah. I think that's yeah. crucial yeah. to acknowledge. Yeah. And I would just, uh, I would say that I think um, the term that I think is more accurate it requires more words. That's the only downfall. It requires more words. But I think this term is accurate, and I think it accomplishes everything that I think we both agree needs to be uh, recognized and acknowledged. What I say is this person is non-white with a white parent. Does that does that acknowledge? <laughs> does that work? It works, except that they don't always have a white parent. Oh, that's true. That's the thing. That's that is they true. don't always have a white parent. That um, is true. And, and, and you have to remember that now um, there are mixed-race people whose parents are mixed-race. Yeah, for all of so those then, people, Yeah. I was going to say for those people, they are all non-white, like all the, okay. the clarification. Well, I think we all see ourselves as non-white, and I think actually if you – you know, if you added up all the non-whites, the whites are actually a very small proportion of the people on the planet, but mm. they do have the most power. That's what I mean when I say white supremacy, and that is why I really make an effort to try to focus on white people and making sure that we recognize they are the ones who are causing the problems that we're dealing with. They are most to blame, and if it's a person, like if you have a black parent and a Chinese parent, no problem. But that person is not going to be accepted as white. So I just say this is a non-white person and we can make all the clarifications, no worries. But if the person has a white parent, just it's a non-white person with a white parent. I think Halle Berry, non-white person, white parent. Barack Obama. Well, maybe, but, but then what do you do when your child looks completely white? Is the child accepted as a white person by other white well, you, people? Well, you know, you, you don't, you're not going to bring up your child as a white person because your child is mixed. If you bring up your child as a, as a white person, 
a few years down the line, when they have children or their children have children, there's going to be a lot of questions to answer. And also, why are you going to do that? Because that's just, you know, you're just taking away part of the history. One of my daughters looks completely white. You see her walking down the road, you think she's white. But she knows where she comes from. And people are always astounded that she knows so much about black history. But to me, it was very important that she knew where she came from. Um, and now, you know, she can go out into the world and people can think whatever they want when they look at her. She knows what she is inside. Does your does your daughter, is her father uh, white or is he a non-white Her person? father's white, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hmm. Do you think if she... <laughs> If she, your daughter, if she marries a white person and has children, do you think your grandchildren could be accepted as white? Uh, they probably will be. Hmm. Um, but I will be around to make them know that they're not white. Um, and I don't think she would bring them up to believe that they were white either. Um, I really don't. Um, because that's not the way she's been brought up. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I'm, are you? I just I checked the website and I know that you you have a review for Rabbit Proof Fence and you, it yeah. that film talks about you know white people have plans sometimes yeah. to yeah. eugenics against non-white yeah. groups of people through sexual intercourse yeah. and then after a few generations, bam, you end up yeah. with your daughter. Um, do you I think know. That, do you I think know. that could be happening? <laughs> Well, you know, the thing is, realistically speaking, your your children can turn out anyway, no matter what your partner, because if you're mixed, once that mix is there, basically, your child can come out anyway. My child could have come out really dark or really light, no matter what partner I chose. And basically, I didn't choose a partner on the color of their skin. It happened, you know, that's who I fell for. I mean, my husband now is from Trinidad. Um... But, you know, the, the person I felt for at the time happened to be white. Um, and I don't have a problem with that. Did you have any issues with his family, or how did that go this time? Um, well, funny enough, my husband from Trinidad, uh, I mean, basically his family thought he came to England, he met a white woman, and, you know, he, he's gone forever. Because they see me as white. Simple as that. Um, and my um, my daughter's father, his family, they were as accepting as they could be, basically. I mean, I am not um, the sort of person who is just going to um, be the ideal daughter-in-law, really. I'm a bit too sort of militant and political and just won't shut up uh, sort of person. So I guess I'm not the ideal daughter-in-law for anybody, really. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, did you, did you? I mean, your daughter's father and his family, did you get the impression that there was an issue about you not being white? No, not at all. Uh, no. Um, it never came up. At all, but funnily enough, now my daughter is like 19 and, um, you know, her father is dead, uh, but she goes up to see, um, you know, her grandmother and her aunties, etc. And they come from a very small town uh, that is very racist. 
And basically, my daughter goes up there, and they don't know. They look at her, and they just think she's white. They can't, you know, they don't know her mother is mixed race at all. Um, and, you know, she said to me, Mom, it's very racist up there, you know. I, could, I don't think I could live up there forever. Um, but that's the way England is. They're, you know, if you're in a big city, um, you live in this kind of bubble. <laughs> you know, you kind of think that the world's okay, but you go to the outskirts or you go to some of these little towns, it's completely different. You know, you stick out like a mile. What what were they doing in the small town that, you know, made your daughter, you know, comment? Were they saying things or, I mean, what, what were oh. they doing? Well, they would obviously say things and make jokes about people of color, of course. Um, you know, I mean, and she's found that a lot throughout her life. is Because people think she's white, they'll make racist statements in front of her. How does she respond? Well, you know, most of the time she'll respond in the right way and, you know, she'll put them right, etc. But sometimes for her own safety... It's best for her just to get out of there. Wow. Fascinating. Fascinating. Well, um, I'm sure that would be the same in the States, you know. Oh, yeah. there, There's a whole history of – here they have the term passing. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I know about the term passing. Oh, yeah, okay. definitely. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, they have uh, – it's a real interesting history. In my opinion, it really can teach you a lot about racism. To me, the thing that sticks yeah. out to me most is that it seems to suggest that if you are white, white people just assume you are racist. Uh, I just have seen that over and over again where, yeah. you know, someone like your daughter, she's not white, but people think she's white, and they just, you yeah. know, go into their racist joke or whatever, and the person is yeah. just standing there. But like, that works both ways. That works both ways, and, and, and you know, as a mixed race person, I can say that because, like, you know, I will be in black company, and they will make really negative comments about white people. So it works both ways, you know. When you're mixed, you do see both sides of it, um, and it can be just as difficult, you know, coming from the black side, even though you understand why that, you know, that resentment and that feeling, um, it's still there. Do you know what I mean? It still makes you feel uncomfortable. I totally understand um, why I think it's important to recognize that you do have, you know, a white parent. Um, yeah. The, we have, you know, a lot of folks that called in. Are you okay taking a question or two as we as we? Yeah. Move? Okay. Yes, I am. All right, let me give out the web address one more time, uh, intermix.org.uk. Uh, and, again, if you're listening at Blog Talk, you can just click Intermix and take you right to the website. A uh, person who called in, uh, and if you have a question, you want to call in, the number is 347-215-6071. Uh, when you dial in, if you have a question, press 1, and I'll get you a line. A uh, person who dialed in, uh, last four digits, 3413, your line is open. In the beginning, when they first started, they, they did it. Yeah. 3413, did you have a question? Person who called in three four one three. Did you have a question? Um, not sure if they're paying attention. I'll check back later. Person who called in from a blocked number. Did you have a question? Greetings, Gus. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Greetings to you, Gus, and greetings to the caller, to the guest. Um, this is four four zero four calling in from Georgia. And the question that I have for the get the um for the guest is this. 
um, because this kind of confirms what I've stated all along. Did she say that she, her parent, one of her parents was white, correct, her mother? Uh, yes, ma'am. Yes. Okay, and this kind of reinforces what normally happens all along with children who have one white parent and one non-white parent, because she said her daughter is the product of um, someone, she made it with someone who is white, and her daughter is blending in. She could be, um, the white team is trying to claim, well, the white team is claiming her because she can blend in and she can pass for one of them. And she made a statement that, okay, she hears negative comments coming from both the white side as well as the black side. Don't you believe that the white, when you hear comments that the the white, the black side is making about what has been done to them by the white side, don't you think that they were justified in those comments that they made? Some of the comments, at least. Uh, some of the comments, yes. But... I don't judge, I don't believe you can judge a whole people all like that. You know, you must judge each person by their character. So, you know, I, I don't like um, somebody telling me sort of Irish jokes, Indian jokes, or whatever. If, if you're going to um, berate a whole people, I am not comfortable with that. Because everybody is different, and there is good and bad in all people. Okay, that is true that there's good and bad, but I look at our yeah. history here, and I'm looking at the bad is coming from one predominant group of people who developed this construct called race, because there was yeah. never anything with this thing called race. White people were the one who came up with this concept that there is such a thing as race and decided to come up with the yellow, red, brown, and black, and white, and with white being at the very top. Yeah. So they're the ones who developed it. So now if they're seeing the fallout where the other groups, the other ethnic groups are rebelling and they're pointing them out for who they are, I don't find that we should feel at fault or we should feel guilty about it because that is what this is all about. That is why racism has not gotten away because we are made to feel guilty when we talk back or we rebel against the white people for all of the atrocities that they have done because they have done more damage worldwide over than any other group. I agree that they have done more damage world, you know, I agree with that, but I think that, you know, it depends how you want to move forward and how you want to change things. Um, so, you know, what do you what do you propose? Tell us the truth. And white people do not like to hear the truth. They like to hear flattery. They don't want to be able to point out their faults because when you point their faults out, they get uncomfortable and they like to turn it back on you. And that is why, and black people or non-white, we have been holding white people secret and we have been carrying the bag, so to speak, for them that we have allowed this to go on. Uh, but again... Um, I understand what you're trying to say, but you're not talking about all white people. It is only a proportion of white people that behave this way. Well, the way I look at it, I prefer to treat them all as suspects until they prove otherwise, because we as non-whites, we have been always been forgiving towards white people. They do us a certain bit of kindness, and then they turn around to do a 90% of unkindness to us, and we always get slammed in the face. So if you treat them all as suspect until they prove otherwise, 
then we don't have to worry about getting hurt. That's the whole problem because whites look at all non-whites as suspects anyway. So why shouldn't we turn the tables and treat them all as suspects until they prove themselves otherwise? Well, I believe the only way you can change the situation is to educate yourself, is to educate your children, is to educate our whole people. That way you can start to move forward. But what what happens all the time is you get a few people that, who are trying to change things and make things good, but there's a hell of a lot of people who are uneducated, who are ignorant, who 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 won't allow things to move forward. You know, we have some real serious problems within the black community which have to do with class um, and power. And, and until we tackle that, we can't hope to move forward. Um, <clears throat> we had a couple other folks that called in. Uh, thank you. Caller in Georgia, always phenomenal to hear from you. Um, I wanted to ask really quick before I got the next caller, do you or do you have a means for gauging whether or not a white person is racist? Whether or not a white person? Is racist. Like, do you have a means for determining whether or not a white person is a racist? Um, no. I, it will come from um, their behavior, from conversation. But it's it, to me... Um, I won't only cut you off if you if I think you're racist. A certain type of behavior means I won't have anything to do with you. Um, you know, if you are negative in certain ways, if you're doing um, certain drugs or certain behavior, I will just distance myself from you because you're going to act negatively upon my life. And I don't want that. You know, I, I really believe in um, this association rule that if you associate with the wrong sort of people, you will have the wrong sort of life. And I don't want that. Um, so I judge people on their behavior. It doesn't matter what color their skin is. If you're a good person, I want to know you. And if you're not a good person, then stay as far away from me as possible. And by good, I'm not talking about um, this sort of Western idea of good of, you know, I'm talking about um, common sense good, decency. It's got nothing to do with the law and, and all that sort of rubbish. Um, person, I believe this is Non Mighty Wick. Non Mighty Wick, did you have a question for Miss Sharon Hall? Yes, uh, thanks for being on the program. Um, let's see, what's going to ask? Um, okay, yeah, the uh, the white people um, who are who say they are part of the white race um, that you feel are not racist. Um, do these white people uh, do anything to try to uh, eradicate the idea of race? That's mistreating on white people. Do you, you know, do you, do the white people that you feel that are part of the white race that are not racist, um, do they, you know, are they doing anything to try to get rid of the idea of race? Well, I, I do think that, that there are a lot of academics that are trying to get rid of the idea of race, and I'm against that um, because you can't get rid of the idea of race until you eradicate racism. The whole it doesn't make sense. I've had professors, you know, argue with me and say, you know, there's no such thing as race. It's a social construct. 
it may be a social construct, but as long as there is racism, there has to be um, the concept of race. Um, so, yes, there are a lot of people out there trying to get rid of it, trying to stop us talking about it, um, but that's not going to happen because as long as racism exists, um, race is going to exist. Are there any... It's a social um, disease. Sorry? Oh, I'm sorry. If you have more, please continue. I don't want to cut you off. No, I, I was going to say racism is a social disease. Um, oh. And so like any kind of disease, you, you know, you, you've got to get rid of the symptoms. Mm -hmm. Are there are there any, um, I guess, white people who uh, aren't doing those things that you feel as if are not racist? Um, I, I, I've met white people who I do not believe are racist, but I think that a lot of people grow up with um, racist behavior um, that they don't realize that they have. And when you point it out to a lot of people, they say, oh, gosh, yeah, all right, I, you know, now you pointed it out, I realize that uh, I've behaved, you know, in a racist way, and I, I won't do that again. I was guilty of that myself. I can remember many years ago, um, you know, we come from the north. I live in the south, in the capital, but I come from the north. And when I was growing up, people used to talk about, there was a lot of Asians that used to have shops, and people used to call it the packy shop. Now, that is a very racist term. But I didn't know it was a racist term because when I was growing up, everybody used that term. When I came down to London and started using that term, you know, people were saying, no, you're racist. How can you use that term? Um, and I would say, well, but, you know, you say Aussie. Why can't you say Ducky? But now I know it's a racist term. I won't use it. And when other people are saying it, I'll point out to them that is a racist term. They don't like you using that. It's derogatory. Don't use it. Um, but it was learned behavior. So I was actually being racist without without knowing that I was. And there are a lot of people that do that. They do not understand that they're doing something like that. But if you point it out to them, they will change their behavior. All right. Just um, one last thing. I, I agree with you when you said that, um, you know, white people um, – who say they're part of the white race, came up with the idea of race, and it's all made up, you know, to divide people, divide earthlings yeah. up, and to put the white people on top. Um, and I think you said that white people have more power uh, collectively uh, worldwide. Yeah, I believe, yeah. I believe, I believe both those things are true. Yeah. And I think you mentioned that uh, your daughter, you know, the one that you have, um, that has yeah. a white father, uh, you know, you said that she is, uh, you know, she can, when she's around white people, the people who have the most power, the white race, they say that, hey, she is white. And then, you know, but you say, hey, well, I, I, I raised her on white, I raised her black, she knows where she comes from. And that, you know, that sounds that sounds like a, that's that's uh, great. But it seems to me, and, you you know, you, you, if you ever catch, if you get a chance to catch the movie uh, Pinky, and it's real similar to what, you, what, what your daughter may be experiencing, and that, uh, you know, white white people, the people who have the power to decide, uh, you know, the people who came up with the idea of race to their benefit, ultimately um, the people with the most power is going to determine uh, what your daughter is, if she is actually classified as white or non-white, you know. 
I think they, uh, the, the racists, the white people who practice racism, the ones with the power, allow us to say, you know, well, I'm, you know, I'm African American, or I'm, uh, you know, uh, whatever, I'm, uh, you know, Chinese, yeah. I'm this, I'm that. But ultimately, they decide. Yeah. They'll say, hey, well, they'll look at you, and then they'll decide how you get to function. And it sounds like your daughter gets to well, function as a it, white person. Well, that's it. You see, she does get to function as a white person. She does. Um, and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing because I think once she knows where she comes from and she knows um, how to behave, then she can only do good. If she's in certain situations, that it will benefit people. I believe it will benefit everybody because she has a good um, all-round understanding of more than one culture. And I think that that's a good thing, not a bad thing. It does serve against her sometimes because sometimes, like, I live now in a predominantly black area. And when she comes to visit me in this area, um, she's had a lot of young black youths come up to her and say, oh, what you do doing here, you're white, blah, 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 um, and giving her a hard time. Um, so, you know, she gets, she does get it um, from the other side as well. And I know when I was growing up, not when I was growing up, but there was a time in my life when I decided, right, um, I want to have a black partner. So I, I went out with the aim of finding myself a black partner. And what I found was that um, every time I, I, I saw what I thought was a nice-looking black guy, he had a white partner. And I'd be really irritated by it. Um, and now when I look at my daughter and I think to myself, gosh, few of them times when I was looking daggers at what I think is white girls could be my daughter. You know, that I, I, I mustn't judge people on the way that they look. Yeah, one way I try to cut through some of that confusion, I'll just uh, I'll ask other people who say that they are white. I'll say, is this a white person? And then, you know, I'll, I'll get my answer if this person is white or not. And then I have to, you know, maybe do some more deductive from there. But thank you. That's all I have. All right. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Non Mighty Wick. Um, had someone called in, uh, looks like someone called in from England. Um, that's oh, always yeah. cool. A uh, person that called in last four digits 0587, if you're calling from the UK. Did you have a question? Um, I don't really have a question at the moment. I'm just listening. Well, actually, no, let me just ask you. Okay, um, listening to what you're saying, since I've become more codified, I haven't had the opportunity to ask someone who's mixed race, if they had to pick, would you rather be black or white if you had to pick? Oh, I couldn't pick. I really couldn't pick. And this is the problem. I couldn't pick. Right. If you're going to ask me, right, if black and white are going to have a fight, which side I'm going to be on, right, I'm going to be on the black side. But if you ask me, right, what color would you rather be, black or white, I cannot pick. I cannot pick. I am happy the way I am. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't want to be white and I don't want to be black. I just want to be me. And, and that's it. And um. I suppose a lot of people go through different things, you know, as they're growing up. There was a time um, when I was going through um, what I would call my black phase where, you know, 
I, I had to have be surrounded by everything black because I felt I'd been deprived of it. Um, and if you'd have asked me at that time, I probably would have said, oh, I want to be black. Um, but now I am really happy with who I am. I don't want to be um, anything else but me. I guess sometimes when okay. I look in the mirror, I think I'm a bit too light. <laughs> Hmm. Okay, um, I also just wanted to ask you, um, are you also happy that your daughter looks white? How do you feel about that? Um, oh, it was very, I have two daughters, basically. And one of them, uh, my oldest daughter, looks um, you know, mixed. She's lighter than me, but she's got uh, the Afro hair. So you can see that she's mixed. Um, it, I felt a bit uncomfortable, and I'll tell you why I felt uncomfortable when my youngest daughter was born. Because her, I didn't really get on with her father. He was very um, aggressive and violent towards me. And um, when she was born, I thought, oh, you know, I, I might have problems loving her because of how her father behaved. Um, and so when she came out really white, I was thinking, oh, gosh, this is just another thing that's going to cause me not to love my daughter. But you, you, you love your children. It doesn't, my daughter could look like the back of a bus, and because she's my daughter, I would love her. But, you know, there are trying times, definitely. You know, when she was a teenager and she was misbehaving and just, and I was thinking, you're just doing that because you just look white and you can just go through life so easy. You know, and I, and I know that was wrong of me to think like that and behave like that. And I knew at the time when I was feeling like that that it was wrong. Uh, but it still comes into your mind. It still comes into your mind. It's like there'll be things like she, my daughter absolutely hates reggae music. She hates it, and I love it. And she hates it because I played it so much when she was a child. <laughs> But because she hates it, it really annoys me. It's just silly little things, you know, silly little things. But um, that's your children are always going to be a challenge. That that's evolution. It's you know, it's part of life. If it was easy, um, you know, there'd be nothing to learn from it. I mean, I've learned a lot from my daughter, and I I definitely started intermix because of her you know when she came home and said to me mommy why can't i be brown like you and i just didn't know what to say to her mm, okay um <clears throat> it's just that in my experience living in london um yeah every single mixed race person i've ever come across is very happy almost they haven't always said it, but just their behavior and the way they act, um, almost like they, they know they can benefit from the system of white supremacy because they are lighter and they usually act like they've got something won over on black people. So this is why I asked you these questions, yeah. but um, I just had to yeah. run. And, and this is yeah. every single but, mixed race person I have ever met, and I've met a lot. But you know what, as a mixed I would find that, you know, a lot of black people would say to me, oh, you think you're too good, you think you're better than us, blah, blah, blah. And um, that's why I say you have to differentiate between black and mixed race to show that the life experience is different 
that we're treated differently. I'm not proud that we're treated differently. For instance, if you look at the, um, the situation in South Africa, now in South Africa, mm-hmm. the mixed race people were called coloreds, and the coloreds actually voted to keep apartheid in because under apartheid, they were treated better than the black people. Now, you have to show that. You have to show people up for their bad behavior. Now, any mixed race person that thinks they are better than a black person isn't a worthy person as far as I'm concerned. It's not good behavior. And the only way you can make them understand that is to show them for what they are. But you have to show where mixed race people are being used. You have to make mixed race people understand that too. You know, not just um, you know the white community and the black community. You have to make mixed race people understand that they're being used. That there is nothing to be to be gained um, from being sort of coerced by white supremacists, so to speak. Um, just one last quick question. Um, maybe hopefully. Um, were you raised by a single white woman or? Was your father in the picture somewhere? I didn't hear all of the broadcasts. Oh, no, my father was. My father was in my life up until he died. You know, um, no, my father was always there. And I think that and that your um, who was makes white. a big difference. My mum was white, yeah. Right, yeah, okay. but I think it makes a big difference if you have both parents in your life, um, regardless okay. of you know if they're different colours. I think it does help to have both parents in your life. Um, your daughter, the one who looks more white, was she the first child who you can um, that you conceived, or no, she was my second child. More brown. Second, okay. Yeah. And the first man was that with a black man or a mixed race man or who? No, no, both of the, the, my two. I have I only have two daughters, and the father was white. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but they they look. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to laugh. Um, so, no, sorry. did your did your dad die early on in your life, or like when you were much older? No, no, that's when I was much. He died must be like fifteen years ago now. So when I was in my thirties. Okay. Why do you think? And you don't think? I'm just trying to figure it out because um, one thing I've also observed, I could be wrong. Mixed race people tend to, regardless of whether they say it or not, their actions often will show it, that they do, um, you know, prefer one race, one of the races that they go to. This is why I was just finding out about both your daughters and, you know, when your dad goes. Well, um, you know, I, I think you go through different stages in your life. I mean, up until I was about sort of 17, 18, I only went out with black men. They were all that I knew. Uh, and then, obviously, I was into the punk era, so I tended to meet more white men. I think it depends on where you are in your life. You know, obviously, you know, now I'm married to a black man, but it it, it has nothing to do, you know, it just depends what you're doing. You know, who, who, how you meet your partner depends on, you know, the clubs you're going to, you know, the courses you take, lots of different things. But I acknowledge that, I, you know, I do... No, quite a lot of mixed race women uh, that have white partners. Um, but maybe that's because we live in a white country. 
I don't know. I live in the same white country. Um, but, yeah, um, so, you know, it depends where you live, doesn't it? I live in London. Where do right. you live? I live in London. <laughs> but I tell you what, mm. you know, mm-hmm. when I wanted to have a black partner, um, uh, you know, I decided, right, you know, I'm, I want to have a, a, a partner who's had a similar experience to me. I found it very difficult very difficult to find um, someone that was single um, for a start uh, and somebody that was into me. It wasn't easy. And actually, my husband came from 10,000 miles away. Okay. Um, I, I have nothing further to say. Thank you for answering my questions, Belle. And um, hello to right. everyone else, there, by the way. <laughs> uh, the... Uh... UK caller, um, I'm all about helping non-white people. If you would prefer, I can dial you on our studio line if you would like to uh, listen and not have to uh, pay the the toll for calling in. Um, you know what, it's it's okay because you know these white supremacists, they help each other out. It's like 1 p.m. in it, so uh, it's, not, it's not really a big deal. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe well, next time, because I do listen to you a lot. So um, maybe next time, because this is the first time I've dialed in. But, yeah, yeah, maybe next time. I'm sure. I'm cool right now, though. Okay. Yeah, anytime if you would like to call in, let me know, and I can dial you in so uh, you won't have to pay for it. Um, yeah, we would. it would be great. Maybe we can have you on to hear, hear your experience. We would love to hear from more non-white people in different parts of the world. So uh, stay on the line if you can. Or email me after the okay, show. Okay, definitely. Okay. Beautiful. Great to hear from you. I know lots of non-white people all over the world. That's great. Um, <laughs> person, uh, it is. I'm really proud. Like that's uh, that's fantastic. And thank you to the guest. He was he's in the UK too. Like this was all UK uh, shining today for the cows. Three three five eight. Person who dialed in three three five eight. Did you have a question for uh, Mrs. Sharon Hall? Uh, brilliant. Uh, I think uh, not mighty weak, and um, I believe four four zero four already addressed it, and she uh, uh, pretty much uh, answered. Uh, far, I, I guess I'm just I'm still confused by out her answer um, about um, how. My, well, my confusion is based on how do you judge each and every white person individually when they all participate and keep this system going. I mean, I I just see no white people out there trying to stop this system uh, from from going. I really don't. I I see none of them standing up in the streets fighting to remove the class races or whatever from your – uh, uh, from your, um, uh, your your job titles, um. but but most people don't understand. Most people don't understand that that even exists. I mean, the only people who white, really white have any sort of idea. Understand. I wouldn't say that all white people fully understand. Un- I don't. Well, I disagree. It, I don't it, believe it's in your that. History book. And, and I I actually believe that every person who comes into my life, I should judge them. Every person that I come into contact with, I should judge them on their behavior, on their character, 
because it's important to me, because every person who comes into my life is going to have some sort of effect on that. So it's my job to judge them. And if I if I neglect to do that, I'm going to find myself probably in in a you know um, some sort of wrong situation. But that's coming from a logical platform. White supremacy is not logical for black people. So you're coming from a logical platform in that thinking that I should judge everybody, and that's really that's, that's come from your morals, uh, uh, you know, that well, you learned I, I, I as growing up. But but we got to understand that when you have a system put in place and everybody that is white participates in the system to treat you a certain way, your morals are going to be their morals, and they're going to have you address anything, everything, the way they want you to. When you do not, you are killed or ostracized or kicked out of the country. Yeah, but you've got to be smarter. You have to work smarter and not harder. I mean, the fact is that, you know, if you find yourself that you live in a certain type of world and it doesn't, you know, you disagree with that, you've got to work smarter. Simple as that. You know, you've got to do whatever you can do to further yourself and get through that situation and to change things. And, you know, I started the website because I wanted to change things. And, you know, I am grateful to things like the Internet, which have changed things so much. I wouldn't be on having this phone call without the Internet. Without that website, I wouldn't be talking to you. I wouldn't talk to the, you know, the, the people I speak to all over the world, and I have contact with people all over the world without that website. And that was my step to do my little bit to try and change things. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm no sort of big person. I'm just an ordinary person. Um, but I believe that everybody can try to do something. You know, I, I don't know the answer to um, getting rid of white supremacy. All of I know is I know for me what is right and what is wrong, and I try and do what is wrong. Hmm. I, I can understand that. I can understand that. Uh, but, again, we're living in a, a system that we uh, yeah, have not we are. brought down yet, and working, first of all, working toward this, to, to understanding or working smarter is to realize that the system exists. Yeah, oh, yes, oh, yes. And so uh, now that you realize that the system exists, you, you can't really base that individuality on everybody. You have to know how to uh, the system works. And why well, not everybody is working against you. Some people just do not know and do not understand, and they are not working against you. I I take that. I you know I, you know I, I've done too much study to to realize that there's I, I've been around the world at least three times in my in the military. Uh, I see black people in. Every country that I've been to, I've seen black people in the same position, except for when I got to the islands. But I when still seen uh, when I got to the islands, like um, 
any one of the islands except for um, I haven't been to Trinidad, but Brazil and okay. and um, Thailand and all the other countries I've been to where I saw black people in the same position. Um, I, I'm, I'm going, especially Hong Kong, especially Hong Kong, um, Philippines. You, black people are destitute, and everybody is taking part in that because everybody understands the darker you are, it seems like the more cursed you are. And everybody wants to take a pot shot at okay. you, uh, okay. and everybody wants I, I to take in bleaching. But so can, it's I, there. Can, I, can I ask you a question then? So why, if you believe in the, the existence of the system, etc., why was you in the military? Um, say, say that again. You know, um, we're talking about white supremacy now, and we're talking about the system that exists. So mm-hmm. why was you in the military? You said you was in the military. Right, I, I was military? a child. I was a, I was a I was a child when I was in the military. So I was I misunderstood. Right. I misunder. Uh, you know, again, we were we were all confused. Uh, I didn't I didn't right. start waking up till really I started paying attention till I listened to this show really in depthly uh, paying attention to the system. I re- I knew the system existed, but uh, you know when you're 19 years old and you're going into the military. Your, your first thing you're thinking of is just, you know, what what am I going to see out here in the world first, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you know, you, you going you, you going into the world, you, you don't know what you just get out of your mama's house, you see. So you don't really have a clue. And and our education in the inner cities uh, and in America is is really so terrible. People don't really we don't we don't have a clue. I believe people in England are. And in the, in the islands of, are educated far more better than we are uh, here in in America, um, but but uh, especially it's amazing, uh, about isn't it? because um, yeah, because you you have such brilliant universities over there. I find it very hard to understand, but I think the biggest problem over there is that your media is controlled. No, I think the biggest problem is that the definition of words. Uh, they've taken they've taken the definition of words and changed them around. It's got me uh, really aware of how the word fair is being used for pretty much everything. Um, so the definition of that's not just the only word, but that's just that's that's how they do it. They take a certain word and they change it around and have you saying one thing, and really uh, the white people are saying exactly what they're going to do, but yet yeah. Uh, we get the wrong impression because we don't have the definition, and this is why the yeah. Indian or the uh, the Washington uh, or the uh, uh, indigenous people, or the Americans, indigenous people, uh, came out and called them fork tongue or uh, you yeah. know snake tongue. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, because yeah. they would say one thing and do another, and you can't you can't work out treaties on based on what you're saying and you're doing something totally different from what you lead us that you were going to say. So if everybody was, everybody, according to the history, everybody was complicit with this history. Everybody was complicit with this. You you mentioned South Africa. Everybody was complicit, even with Holland involved. Everybody was complicit uh, with with these actions against 
black people. They knew what a Kafir was. They created the word for it. So they knew what they were doing. And everybody was took took part in, in this act. Um so it how can you know, I'm just basing on history. They repeat themselves historically. America's over there in Iraq. What did we do? The same thing in history. We were in Somalia. The same exact thing. Now we're talking about well, invading Libya. Libya. The same yeah. exact thing. And you think England's far behind. England's right there in no, the back. No, no. Matter of fact, I believe England is 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 is, is controlling all of it. But I, yeah, you know, but you see, that's what you have to remember is what you have to remember is English and Americans are the same people. White people. White. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, Europeans, we call them Europeans. We say the Americans are Europeans because they were just Europeans that went to America. <laughs> so, um, the same thing. I'm in agreement there. The gentleman that called in 3358, hang tight because some other folks called in, but hang tight and I'll see if I can get back to you. Thank you. I think that was your first time calling in. Thank you for calling in. Hang tight. It was uh, good hearing from you, sir. Um Pam, co-author of Trojan Horse, Death of a Dark Nation. Uh, your line is open. Good to hear from you. Oh, uh, greetings, Gus. Uh, greeting, I believe it's Miss Hall. Hello. Hi. Greetings. greetings. Uh, this this conversation is really very interesting. Um, I think it does illustrate uh, why the white supremacists uh, create, you know, use interracial sex to confuse and divide the non-white population. Uh, I'd like to ask you a question. Um, do you believe that the non-white people, uh, or should I say, do you believe the white people are waging war on all non-white people? Mm, I just can't, I, I just can't. It's just not as black and white as that to me. I okay. do believe that there are um, some very dangerous people and some very powerful people out there that are just uh, greedy and just not nice people and wage war, yes. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't believe that all white people are waging war against non-white people. Because, I, I, you know, I, I don't judge. I can't judge a whole nation of people like that. Because it has so much to do with power and class as well. Okay. I have another question. And because you... I'm... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, say that again? Uh, no, go ahead and finish what you were saying. Um, because I know very poor white people, believe me, very poor white people, um, who have just as hard a time as anybody else. And I know, you know, good and bad in all colors. So, you know, I can't, I can't um, put it on any one race of people. Um, but go ahead. What was you going to ask? Uh, the other question was: uh, Do you believe that uh, creating, say, a, a group of people—I don't want to call it a race—a group of people who would be torn between their black and white 
you know, heritage, even though that doesn't really exist, um, you know, in terms of just strictly white or strictly black. Do you believe that the white supremacists uh, created this, uh, used interracial sex to create a, a, a class or, say, a group of people who would be torn between both sides and that that would benefit white but we're not but we're not torn this is the problem mm-hmm. is that people are trying to make believe that we are torn but we are not torn we are not torn at all and this is the, uh, what I'm trying to say I don't um, put one one of my, my parents race above the other I cannot do that mm-hmm. I am both I am both, and that may make it difficult for people who want to believe in just um, one or the other. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me ask you. Uh, I suppose that's why it's, it's very difficult for me to believe that all white people are bad. I can't believe that. And you know, and that's, that's totally you know I mean? understandable. That's totally understandable because that would mean that your mother would be bad. And, and who who wants to have to choose between their mother and father? You know, uh, who would want to do that? But uh, let me just give you a scenario real quickly. Uh, if, yeah. you, if the Israelis, for example, waging war with the Palestinians and there was a child of, of Palestinian and uh, Israeli heritage, uh, if there was mm-hmm. a war going on, they would be forced to choose sides. And perhaps the best weapon that the most powerful side could create are a group of people who can't choose either side because – that would be yeah. that would tear them apart. That's what I mean by torn apart. So if you see, you see, okay. if I had to choose size, mm-hmm. I would have to choose the black side, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I said before. If there was war, if I had to choose a side, I would choose the black side because it's the it's it's the one that's the most oppressed. It would be automatically if if it was the whites that were oppressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I would choose the white side, but not. So, you know what I mean? Because I want to be fair and I want to have balance. I don't want to have one part of me, you know, over the other. Um, So if I had to choose sides, I would choose black. But the reason I would choose black is because I am educated enough and comfortable enough with both sides of my identity to be able to make that decision. And the problem is that there are a lot of mixed-race people out there that are not educated enough to be able to make that decision. And, you know, that's why uh, um, we exist. That's why Intermix exists. So people can find out more about their history, um, about what is out there for them. But the other thing is that, yes, because I remember during the, the problems with India, when the British were in India, the British paid... Indian women to sleep with British soldiers so they could have mixed-race children because the British believed that these mixed-race children would make it easier for them to control the Indians. Mm -hmm. Of course they think about things like that. I know they think about things like that. But in the end, these people are still individuals, you know, and it's up to us as educators to make people aware of what is happening and make people aware of, you know, that they can have balance in their life. You're saying they can have balance as a non-white person? Um, It's difficult, but yes, you can. It's difficult. I mean, I'm not saying that there isn't a day 
goes by when I am not aware of the racism that exists. I am always aware of it. I am always aware of it. But um, I'm always trying to improve it. I'm always trying to change it. I'm only one person. I can only do my little bit. But then everybody else that I educate or make aware can do their little bit. You know, but I think education is, is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think we have to re-educate um, our young people and get them away from this colonialist education, which is teaching them to think lowly of themselves and not even appreciate, um, you know, where they come from or what they have. Could I just, uh, I just want to read this real quick to you and ask you if you agree or disagree with it. Uh, okay. It is logical in a white supremacist society to assume the majority of whites, perhaps all whites, are either practicing racism, the act of commission, or are cooperating with those who are by saying and doing nothing to stop them, or refusing to help the victims of racism with the information they have, the act of omission, which means they are benefiting from the practice of racism. Uh, do you believe that, given that definition, that if, in other words, if white supremacy is the most dominant system on the planet, do you believe that means the majority or all white people are either participating or not uh, doing anything to stop other whites from practicing racism? Uh, I, I don't know if I made that clear. I can I can clarify. No, it. you have made it clear. You have made it clear. But I will still say mm-hmm. there will be people out there that are ignorant. And mm-hmm. I, I I just I just don't think it's it's as easy as that. I think it's it's easy to uh, to say to speak of it like that when you're an academic. I think it's very easy when you're an academic and um, you're working on your thesis to put it like that. I think, yeah, that will work. As it does, you know, with with a lot of theories that academics bring out. But I think in the real world, when you're dealing with um, real people in your immediate vicinity, then it becomes very different. Oh, I agree. It's it's, it's very different in the real world. But, you know, this wasn't, just to clarify, this wasn't written by an academic. Uh, basically, it's just an observation to say that if the if there is a system that encompasses the entire planet from country to country to globe, you know, from continent to continent, and that system is white supremacy, and it has been in power for over 500 years, and it affects the life of every single non-white person on the planet, that is difficult to believe that this yeah. is a minority of whites or even a part part, you know, even. Anything less than a majority of white people, this system, particularly since white people represent 10% of the world's population and they're controlling the other 90%, yeah. it's very difficult. And that's, it's not an academic view. That's a comic sense, logical view to say that 10% of the people controlling 90%, that means that 10, that 10%, the majority or all of that 10% must be practicing white supremacy on one level or another. Either they're doing it by overtly acting out as acting out as racist, or they're remaining silent and benefiting while the other races practice the white supremacy. So it's impossible for 10% to control 90%, and it's only a small percentage of that 10% to be doing anything. That's what I'm saying. And that's just All right. a common sense. Uh, uh, what, what are you saying? 
what about the the um, people of color, the non-white people, mm-hmm. who are also um, not doing anything? Well, see, the non-white people are the victims. I would not uh, expect the uh, Jewish population, I wouldn't hold them accountable for what the Nazis did to them. I stay focused on the Nazis because the Nazis are the problem. Non-white people have been victimized psychologically, economically, educationally. They have been literally oppressed to the point of, of, of not even hardly being able to overcome it. They don't even understand what's happening. So I keep my focus where the focus belongs. I do not ask the victim why they are being victimized. I ask the victims to keep their eye on the victimizer because the victimizer is the problem. I don't hold the victims accountable other than what they're able to do given their status as a victim in a white supremacy system. And I can speak from personal experience growing up in the United States that it was hard not to get beaten down psychologically to the point where you accepted your own degradation. So I don't hold the victims accountable. I hold the victimizers mm. accountable. That's that's my view. Very interesting. Uh, I just, uh, just the last thing I'm going to say, unless somebody else, it's just that if we are at war, and, and, I, and I, listen, I, I totally... I totally, uh, you know, I could be wrong, and I'm totally respectful of your opinion. I think that you do have a different position than a person like me, a non-white person with two black parents, or politically yeah. classified black. Of course it's different, and we, I can't put myself in your shoes. And frankly, I don't expect you to say, look at your mother or your other white friends or family or relatives and say, these are, these are racist people, these are bad people, when they have done nothing but be good to you. So I, I do respect uh-huh. your position, and I think I think that's why that they push the interracial thing on non-whites because they know that it breeds this kind of confusion, and they know it creates this divisiveness where black people look at not, at non-white people with a white parent and assume that you can't be trusted because they've watched too many times where non-white people with a white parent will play both sides. But what we don't understand is we don't know what it's like to be you. We don't know what it's like to be told yeah. you have to choose and then be castigated because you don't want to denigrate your white parent. So we don't know what you're feeling. So I, I do empathize with the situation. You know, we're all non-white people and we're all not, we're all victims. And you're not my you're not my problem and you're not my enemy. I keep my eye on the people who are doing the victimizing. So I don't want to make it like I'm disrespecting. Uh, your position it mm-hmm. is it is you different than mine, so I'm trying to learn. So and how, I will be quiet so now. So how do you? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, I'm interested to know mm-hmm. how you feel about um, because I believe it's really important to separate black from mixed race. I understand. Um, and I, I'm interested to know how you feel about that because you know for me I, I think it's important because I have a different. Mm-hmm life experience and set of life chances than what you have. Sure. You know, I think that's that's the question of the one of the questions of the century. I think uh you do have a different experience, but unfortunately, the white supremacists use that difference to confuse and divide us, and that's what troubles me is not that you don't have a different course, you do have a different experience. I mean, it it's it you have to be very strong to come through it and not uh dislike one side or the other. I think it takes a lot of strength because uh, I have some mixed race, you know, supposedly mixed race people in my, uh, you know, in my family. 
And most of them have chosen uh-huh. the white side, not because they're bad people, but because they're con- they get confused and they see that I don't fit over here, I identify over here, so I got to do something. I can't be in the middle, and they don't know how to be in the middle because the black people won't yeah. let you be in the middle, and the white people won't let you be in the middle. So you're caught in a trick bag. Um, I would say that it's, it's I, I think maybe it's difficult. different in the U.K. Mm-hmm. I think maybe it's slightly different in the U.K. because mm-hmm. we're not as segregated. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have not found it difficult to be in the middle um, okay. because I'm not in the middle. I'm in both. And I guess in America that is 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 difficult um, to be in both. Um, no, I Part of the reason I was saying that I stipulate the difference is because I find that mixed race people are used as the acceptable face of black, mm-hmm. and um, and and we're used to hide a lot of racism. Let's just put a mixed race person there and make everything look okay. And I wanted to show um, that there is a difference. Mm-hmm. I understand. Um, you know, I, I did talk to a couple of people. I do do, do um, talk to some people that are in the UK, and they uh, maybe it depends on where you are, what status you are, whether you're educated or undereducated, whether you're dark or white. You know, dark skin, mm-hmm. identifiably black, or or, or possibly someone who looks quote-unquote mixed race, uh, but they yeah. do sound like you guys have some similar problems, and that is you're still being oppressed uh, by the by the, the white population. So I don't know how different, you know, I have to take your word for it because I've never been there. But, yeah, uh, we're, they, we're, yeah, we're certainly not oppressed um, okay. to the same degree as you are in America. Okay. Hang uh, hang tight real quick, okay. Pam. I want right, to try Pam. and nab uh, one or two quick questions. Um, it Website trojanhorse1.com. Always good to hear from Pam. Um, there is a caller, or excuse me, there is a listener uh, in England, and he typed a question in. His question is uh, In the future, do you think white people and non white people will be able to exist in harmony? I think in the future, uh, white people will disappear. I think that um, certainly, I mean, they say in the next 50 years, you know, like most of America is going to be mixed in one way or another. And uh, what will happen is I really believe we're going to be more mixed and I really believe a lot of these old, (coughs) I call it like the old old boy network, that racist attitude, I think a lot of them will die out. That's not to say that, that, you know, there still won't be some that exist, I think a lot of them will die out. And, you know, I'm I'm actually hoping that slowly, you know, I see what's happened in Egypt, and I do see that um, in a few countries people are actually starting to realize that they can actually change things. Um, and I'm hoping, you know, things are going to change for the better. Uh, there's a person who dialed in 9639. Uh, I'm going to get you next, but before I... I get to your line. I did have one request. Uh, I thought it was profound uh, when you used the illustration of, in South Africa, the so-called coloreds, uh, that they supported the apartheid white supremacist system because they were treated better than black people. And I thought that was just a really crystal clear 
illustration of pretty much what I think I began uh, the, the interview with in asking uh, are non-white people who have a white parent, are they treated better than black people yeah. by white people? And I noticed there was a key distinction just talking about the importance of terms. And you said that you use the term mixed race because you're different from blacks. And I think it would be it would be most accurate to say that you are treated better than blacks by white people. Yeah, I think that would be I'm not most proud accurate. of that. I'm, I, I know I'm not proud of that. Um, I don't want to be treated better than blacks. I want blacks to be treated as, you know, a, a, Fairly, like everybody else. Oh, whoa, whoa, um, wait a minute. Wait one second. We, that word "fair" is real important. I think someone. Oh, I know. I know. I hate uh, it. I hate it. They've been using it over here as well. Oh no. I apologize for using that term. I apologize for using that term. Everything that you uh, just said, if you could say that, that would be so helpful. I would sound clip you and. May, I would link everything to your blog if you could say what you just said because I think it's true and I think it does need to be recognized. Just drop the fair. Don't say you're treated different. Excuse me. Don't say that you're different. Say that you are treated better than black people by white people and then everything else that you don't think that's correct and we should be working against it. But I think it's important to acknowledge that because it's true, regrettably. Well, it is. It is. I, I mean, I don't want that to to be the case. You know, I want black people to be treated equally. My father was black. Half my family is black. My husband is black. You know, I want to know that they're going to be treated equally on the same level as white people. Um, and that would bring me up a notch as well. Beautiful. I love um, if you could, if you could uh, do that in the future, is that something that you'd be willing to do? Just make sure that you're not just saying that you're different, but that you're treated better. Than black people by white people. Yeah, I, you know, I don't have a problem with acknowledging that because it's true. Um, you know, it's not something I'm proud of. Um, but I, you know, I, I tell you a good example is I, you know, walking down the street getting a cab. So if I'm walking down the street on my own, I can get a cab, no problem. If I'm walking down the street with a black male, I cannot get a cab at all. <laughs> Cannot get a cab. Wow. You know, I, I'll wow. have to walk all the way home. Wow. I that I have heard that from non-white females all over the world when they're by themselves, they're treated okay, oh, yeah. or they're treated well. When they are with a black male, uh, I can... Double whammy. Uh, the person who called in 9639, uh, your line is open. Did you have a question? Uh, yes, Gus, I have a question. Uh very uh, good conversation uh, uh, this afternoon. Oh, well, where I'm located, yeah, this afternoon. Um, to all the other callers, um, I'm thoroughly enjoying your uh, your views as well. Uh, to the guest, um, uh, I don't think you mentioned uh, anything about, um, I think you said you had several brothers and sisters or siblings. Is that correct? Um, I do. I have a lot of. Um, I have one brother and lots of sisters. And how do oh. they identify? Are they uh, as light as you, darker than you? Um, do they pass as white? Well, um, I I am actually an only child. I'm the only child of my mother and father, but my mother and father each have other children. So 
I have five. Uh, hello. Oh, you're good. Just ignore that. You're good. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I have five sisters who are mixed like me, but they all looked different to me. I'm the only person that had um, the hair. Um, all my other, all my sister, mixed race sisters had straight hair, so they looked Asian, um, Greek, you know. Um, and I have one white sister who lives in Canada, who was adopted uh, when my mother got uh, with my father, who brought me up. The they more or less the the women around more or less said to her, "It's not good for you to have a white child because she already had a child, and um, so she had that child adopted." So I have um, a white sister who's older than me, um, and then I have a brother and three sisters from my biological father who are black. Um, so, but I'm I'm actually you know the only child of my mother and father. But okay, so then, so you said your sister's hair is straight. Does that represent yeah. that they they function as black people, or they function? Um, Are they functioning as black people? Well, um, you see, the thing is, it's it's like I said, this class thing, um, really comes in when you're at the bottom of it. So we are from a poor working class family, and where we grew up was. Um, it had a lot of problems with drugs and crime, etc. So, you know, most of the time you weren't thinking about the color of your skin. You were thinking about surviving, how you were going to, you know, um, get through to the end of the week, etc. Two of my mixo sisters are dead. Um, one was uh, murdered by the police in 1991. Mm. Uh, my other sister, um, she jumped from a window and um, made herself paraplegic and uh, died a couple of years ago. So it, it's not, you know, we've had a very difficult time. It's not been easy. Um, so it wasn't a question of thinking about whether you're black or you're white. You're just thinking about, you know, am I going to eat? Uh, you know, am I alive? It, it, those are the questions you thought about more than about your color. Okay. So, so when you say, uh, well, if I may ask you, you said your your two of your sisters, um, one's paraplegic, she died recently, and one is uh, yeah, she died at the hands of the hands of the police. Now, was that because of the yeah. environment, so the the area, or you you, you all came from, it, it, or it, it, the overall white 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 supremacist system? It, it, it was really to do with the area. Um, she, you know, it, it, it's very complicated, and uh, this isn't the place to get into it, really, but um, it was to do with the area. Um, it's a long time ago now, but, yeah, um, not happy circumstances. Uh, Miss Miss Hall, I did want to... Uh, we're at the uh, two-hour mark. Um, if you... Um, I know we said two hours, so if you have things to do or yeah. what have you, no worries. Um, uh, we Well, yeah. listen, I, I really do have to, um, yeah, cut it short now. I would be happy to do this um, again another time. Um, but, yeah, it, it's been two hours, and I do have to go to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> 
Groovy. Thank you so much for sharing some of your uh, time with us. It was great. I learned a lot. And the website, again, is intermix.org.uk. We definitely would love to have you back on the program, and I hope you continue with the work. Yeah, and please um, send me a link to the station because I would definitely like to listen in on more of your shows. Will do. Will do. I'll send you this program, and it will have a link for the show page as well so you can uh, listen to the archives. Okay, brilliant. And thank you very much, everybody, for listening. Thank you so much. Enjoyed it. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Be well. Context of white supremacy. Oh, I have an echo. Okay, context of white supremacy. Um, I want to thank, again, Salient One, a listener in the U.K. who recommended our guest. Uh, He sent me a link to a video. I tried to embed it in the uh, description, but the white people at Blog Talk wouldn't allow it uh, for some reason. But uh, he sent me a video where it was a radio talk program in the UK, and it was a white host, and he brought on like a whole bunch of non-white people with a white parent or non-white people who were having sex with a white person uh, to talk about Halle Berry. Like they talked about her situation for like an hour. And uh, it was, I mean, woof, it was it was hard to listen to. But uh, our guest, she was one of the participants in that discussion. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad I had her on. And this is definitely one of those programs. Um, if you have a filter for racism, white supremacy, meaning you understand racism, white supremacy, and you even understand when you encounter confusion, be it a confused non-white person or if you encounter a white person who is most likely practicing racism, you understand that. You expect that. So it doesn't surprise you. You just incorporate that into what, you know, you're as a part of your environment. Oh, okay. Confused non-white person or white person practicing racism. This is what they're doing. This is what they're saying. No problem. Uh, If you have your filter where you understand white supremacy, I think you'll get a lot out of this program because I found it to be fascinating. And again, those cowbells are significant. At any rate, uh, and I'm going to be following to see if she does that because I do think that would be super helpful. Uh, Just acknowledging the truth. It's not that you're different. It's that you are treated better. Non-white people with a white parent are treated better than black people by white people racist woman and racist man. It should be acknowledged because it's true. So I definitely am going to keep an eye on her website to see if, uh, if she keeps that, uh, if she keeps her word on that, because that would be really helpful in clearing up confusion. Um, the female caller that dialed in from the UK, your line is open. Are you still with us? Yeah, I'm still here. Right on. So good to hear from you. It was, uh, it was real. I just, for me, it felt very constructive. It felt like we were moving in the correct direction to hear uh, someone calling in, presumably a non-white person, British accent, and the first word out of their mouth was, "When I became more codified." And then they continued with their question. Man, that felt uh, fantastic. Um, are you a non-white person? Absolutely, I'm black. Okay, groovy, groovy. Um, yeah, I just wanted to hear, you know, more of what you had to say. It's always great to hear um, non-white. Yeah, you have non-white listeners. Oh, he's on the line. You can you can speak, uh, sir, if you if you want to or not. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of folks listening, and uh, they really appreciated your commentary. If you have anything else you'd like to say, 
anything you'd like to share about what you're observing with regards to white supremacy in your area or thoughts on the program today, feel free. Um, one thing that she said, which I think is very untrue, uh, when she was talking about how racism in the UK probably isn't as overt as it is in America, that's not true. Um, it really is. But I think the thing about the UK is it's a lot more refined. If you're not, if you don't understand what white supremacy is, you can miss it, you, and you just be like, oh, what was that? Oh, well, whatever, you know. But it's it's really, really refined, and I think. Um, white people who live in this area of the world, are just, they're very, very refined at how they uh, practice their racism. And I see all the time with uh, non-white people, especially black people who are confused, they're getting racism practiced on them like through and through, but they don't even know it. Or maybe they don't want to acknowledge it. I don't know. So I think that's one thing I would automatically disagree with uh, that she said. It's, it's, it's very real here, very real. So I just wanted to throw that in. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we would I would enjoy having you on the program as a guest to hear more, you know, about what you've observed uh when you became informed about racism. Um yeah, mm-hmm. I think it would be great. I think it and, and just again, non-white people hearing from non-white people in other parts of the world, I think that will do a lot to fast forward things uh so that we can understand, oh, white people are doing the exact same thing around the world. Got it. Like, oh, dude, I hope people caught that. The show Love Thy Neighbor. That is Archie Bunker. I cannot believe that they have the exact same show. Blatantly racist white guy who's kind of a dummy. That is Archie Bunker. Like, they are. Do- <sighs> rewind. Just rewind if you missed that where she was talking about that program, uh, Love Thy Neighbor. It's Archie Bunker. I, I will hush everybody that dialed in with a hand up. Your line is open. Everybody that called in today. Phenomenal input. Um, it was fantastic. It was great to just put my feet up and listen. Uh, caller in Atlanta, 404-9-Mighty-Wick, uh, 3358-9639, Pam, as usual, and uh brand-new caller from the U.K. Oh, what, how would you like to be uh, referenced, caller in the U.K.? Um, I'll just use my name. My name is Zanelli, if you can pronounce that, Zanelli. Zanelli? Yep. Beautiful. Zanelli, outstanding. Love to Man, it's great to hear from you. And, yeah, we would really love to have you uh, on as a guest. Uh, Just shoot me an email or what have you if you would be interested. And, uh, yeah, we would be great to make it happen. Um, My email is untiljustice at gmail.com. Untiljustice at gmail.com. Okay, got that. Um, Actually, you know what? Um, I wouldn't mind being a co-guest with someone else. I don't think I'm that interesting, but... um, I, because of the system of racism and white supremacy, no longer have a family or friends to speak of, a family especially, not because I don't have, like, a really big family, but just because non-white people aren't ready to face the truth a lot of the time. So I, I, wouldn't, mind, um, I wouldn't mind sharing some of my experiences in case someone else is going through the same thing. You, you have to be strong because, um, in fact, there was a show I was listening to, and Pam, Pam was talking about it. She was like... Um, what are non-white people going to have to do when they get to the point where it's like, okay, you've got the ones who want to do something about race and white supremacy and the ones who don't want to know. And I would simply say just straight off the jump, you have to separate yourself for, for your own survival, for, for your sake. You have to separate yourself. There's nothing else you can do. And um, I'm talking a bit too much. But it's, it's when my son was born that I had to make the decision um, 
but I had to step away from them. Uh, my sister, <laughs> uh, she says she's married to a white man from Sweden. So um, I said to myself, there's no way I'm going to bring up my son with this confusion because trying to teach a black child, a non-white child, black child especially about white supremacy and, you know, they're looking at, oh, but my uncle is white and, um, you know, my cousin's a mixed race. So I just said to myself, you know what, let me just cut it off. So, yeah. Yeah, just thought I'd share that. Wow. I think that would make for a great program. Yeah, we will. We People are typing. So we would love to hear from you. Um, yeah, it would be great <laughs> to have you as a guest, and uh, I'm sure we could have uh, enough material to easily chat for uh, several hours. So whenever you uh, feel up to it, let us know. We'll make it happen. Everybody that called in, your line is open. Try to watch the background noise. Feel free. Pam is on, too, so, you know, if you want to come. I'm hearing, like, a child. Sounds yes, like maybe sorry, that's my son. I'm about to mute right now. Oh, okay. No worries. Groovy. Oh, and no speakerphone. I'm hearing a speakerphone, I think, too, because I'm echoing. Yeah, thanks for sharing, uh, Benelli. I'm sorry, I still hear a background noise, too, Joey. Wait for I've heard clearly. Yeah, I'm still. It's like somebody's like driving. <laughs> uh, that's, that's me. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're picking up an echo. If you have speakerphone, oh, okay, it's good now. Um, the okay. gentleman. Okay, we're good. You're good. Feel free to chat. Okay, yeah, everybody, I'll, your line is open. Yeah, I was gonna say thanks for sharing, Danelli. I, I mean, I, I have, uh, you know, attentive family members who, uh, you know, are confused and going after white people too. So hey, I, I can uh, empathize. It's, uh, you know, you kind of gotta do what's best uh, for your own offspring, and you know, it's tough to um, to cut through some of that confusion when they see it so close to them. Uh, but I was going to ask, you know, when you when you first start getting um, more informed about racism and white supremacy, more codified, what are some of the things that you noticed or stood out to you uh, in the U.K. there? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't think I can actually pinpoint it to any one thing. In fact, if I'm going to be honest, when I started becoming more codified, I realized how big the problem was uh, with my interaction with my family, the interaction I had with my family. That's when I was like, wow, like, you know, this isn't just a theory, like, it's real, like, real life. And I'm talking about way before I actually became aware of the code. Let me think, I think I was um, 20. I think I was like 20 when I read the code. Um, but it's when I was 18 that um, when I met my partner that I actually. Because I had been, I didn't know anything about black history. I knew nothing, okay. Um, so, 18, moved out of home, started going around to my mom's house and just trying to talk about just really basic things. Um, I remember actually 2004, um, 2004, 2005, that's when in Zimbabwe, that's where I'm from, uh, well, the area where I was born and then we moved here, but... Um, Yes, yeah, so when the whole land reform thing was going on with, um, you know, Robert Mugabe and, you know, um, all of that was going on. I remember one time uh, um, I went and I was talking to my family. Well, actually, I was talking to my sister in the kitchen. And I was just trying to say to her, look, do you understand what's going on? Because, like I said, nothing black was ever discussed in my mother's household ever. So I was telling her, you know, you know you've got these white people when, you know, they're less than 5% of the population and, um, you know, they own over 85% of the most fertile land. They're making all this money. Can you believe it? He's so white for kicking them out. And 
At this time, my sister's, at the time, he wasn't her husband. He was just a boyfriend, okay, not fiancé, not anything like just a boyfriend. Sitting in the front room, which is quite close to the uh, kitchen, my mom comes in the kitchen. She's like to me, shut up. I was like, but mom, I'm just, you know, simply trying to tell Shingy about what's, oh, my gosh, I'm just exposing my family's business. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I was simply um trying to tell her, you know, what was going on because I knew she didn't understand it because if you were going to be looking at it from white supremacy propaganda, you wouldn't understand the full story because, you know, they always want to paint black people as the villain. So my mom was so furious that I was talking about it. She was in the kitchen making herself a cup of tea, and she just poured milk on me, and she was like, shut up. Like, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, I wasn't living at home. I had moved out at that point, and I just left. And I remember coming back and telling my partner about it, and he was like, look, there are going to be a lot more instances like this. Just prepare yourself because you're now seeing the problem within your family. And, yeah, it took some years after, um, when was it, 2009. That's when I officially just cut myself off. So, um, and I had to. It wasn't an easy decision to make, but, um, yeah. So it wasn't really uh, pinpoint things. I was noticing things um, in the U.K. It was really with my family, you know, things that were going on in there. So many other things as well, but obviously we don't have all day. But um, that's how I really came to see that there's a problem. It's easy to look, uh, to look around you and see that, okay, yeah, white people are doing this, whatever, you know, um, in London, in England, I mean, gosh, the white people here are just, uh, unless you're confused, which a lot of black people are, you, they're just racist. You know, they'll smile in your face, but they're racist. A lot of them, you know, love B&P, they're MS, all of these kind of things. And, you know, um, yeah, but it, it's really what I went through with my family. And it was difficult. It, it really was. Um, but I think it's going to have to be a necessary part for a lot of non-white people to have to go through this, unfortunately, you know, and... This is the reality of it. And I don't think there's anything special about me, but, um, you know, other people have been through worse, I'm sure. But when you have to cut it off and just say, right, it's just me, my partner, my child, or just me by myself, depending on your circumstances, then be ready for that. Because that's what this system has created, unfortunately. You know, white people are to blame. I don't even blame my family. Um, it's not their fault. They're confused, and they're not ready to be, you know, unplugged. <laughs> they're really not. Um, they're not. So, okay. yeah. Oh, greetings. Sorry, I kind of went on for a really long time there. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Hello. This is 404, if I can um, be heard. Pam, it's nice to hear from you as well as the other callers on the line. And I have to agree with a caller from the U.K. because, as I said, I have relatives in the Caribbean, and a lot of them migrated to England, Canada, and I find that same confusion that the guests had with getting into relationships with whites when they migrated over there. As a matter of fact, I had some of my relatives who got hooked up in what you would call like a pen pal situation where there were those arranged marriages with a white person in Canada. And she migrated to Canada, didn't meet the man until they got over there, and then she got married to this man, a fat, unsightly white person that they got married to. But it just goes to show that they feel that it doesn't matter what the person looks like as long as the criteria is white skin, it is so it's more or less a better situation than to marry someone that is non white. So what this guest was speaking of that she wants to be caught in the middle, that she does not want to take any sides. 
she she's already made her decision there when she said she doesn't want to choose any sides because she chose a partner to have her two daughters with, and even though she said the person was abusive, it was a white person. And it always goes to show that most children who are raised by a white parent, especially a mother, they always end up getting involved with another white partner in order to go to have um, a life with. And she is she has proved it. Now she says she's married to a black person, and you know I guess this person is probably from the continent, from Africa somewhere, because she said he's from approximately ten thousand miles away. So I'm assuming he came from the continent. But her daughters, they are reaping the benefit of being blending in because they're much pleasing to the eyes. The white people are looked to them as being much more pleasing. And blacks do the same thing, too, because we tend to look favorably, using that word, fair word again, on children who are lighter complexion. We think that they're somehow better than darker complexion children, because we see it all the time amongst black people, so to speak. In politics, everything else, they always tend to push push to the front the lighter complexion child. Excuse me, uh, the the caller that just spoke, what is your moniker? I don't think I've ever heard you say it. <laughs> oh, I, I'll refer to myself as 404. <laughs> oh, you're 404? Yes, ma'am. Okay, you know what? I, I, okay, I've heard 404. Okay, I wasn't sure that was you. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, I just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Um, I, I sensed a lot of, uh, I sensed a lot of confusion uh, mm-hmm. from the guest, a tremendous amount. And that's exactly why the, that why whites promote this interracial sex, and that's right. why it's worked so well throughout the centuries of of the of all over the world. It, you know, you look at populations that are literally wiped out. And uh, she made a mention that you know America, the majority in the future, what is five, ten, fifteen, twenty, fifty years will be uh, mixed race. No, 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 no. White people are not going to sit by silently and let themselves be. Uh, eliminated. That's why they're promoting interracial sex because they're creating a new race, and that offspring of that black person or non-white person and the white person is going to be bred and trained and programmed to be with white people, mm-hmm. and that's going to increase the white population. So, uh, make no mistake about it. The white the white people have already seen what is happening that their numbers are dwindling, and that is why they're pushing this interracial sex. And they've got all these confused people in the middle who are going to help maintain the system of white supremacy and are going to breed more white, eventually people who will be classified as white. Uh, and the last thing I just want to add is, if you look all over the world, the minority always rules the majority. True. So when people get caught up in this brownie will end racism, well, how come it hasn't ended racism already? It's been going on for hundreds of years and it hasn't done a thing to eliminate racism. And all it's done is make the people in power, the minority, more determined to keep their power. That's all it does. It makes them more vicious and more wicked, the smaller the numbers are. It doesn't help us that they have smaller numbers. You're very correct in that because what what she was stating with in her situation with her daughters, especially the one that she says people, white people feel comfortable, they don't know her, that she can basically pass. 
and they make all of these racist comments, and she doesn't want to say anything because of her safety or whatever to put herself out. Eventually, it's going to come to a point where she's going to blend right in, and these statements that these white supremacists are saying is going to become part of her, and she will start doing the same thing to other non-whites who do not suspect that she is um she's a non-white. You know, she 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 may she may fight that. You know, I don't know her personally. Uh, I would just say that. Uh, you know, most people, being human nature, are going to take the path of, e- of the easiest, you know, less resistance. And they're going to try to fit in where they get in or mm-hmm. get in where they fit in. And uh, if you're a person who appears to be white and white people are accepting you as white and you have to, if you're around non-whites, you've got to constantly be pro- prove that you are a non-white. I mean, what what's the more tendency that you're going to, I mean, what, what's the greater tendency that you're going to go ahead and just... Take the path of least resistance, you know. Uh, I don't know. It's, I just don't. Uh, I think that this is a classic example of the dangers of of black people and non-whites having sexual intercourse with white people. We should take this as a, you know, when she talked about her family and the tragedies that happened, and she didn't tie it to the system of white supremacy. Mm-hmm. But if they're living in conditions that would drive them to hurt themselves and harm sure. themselves, then obviously they're living, they're being affected poverty-wise by the system of white supremacy. So, I mean, everything that she described, it wasn't the neighborhood, it wasn't the area, it's white supremacy. Or they wouldn't be living like that. And you're right. And when she mentioned that her father, he has black children that are older than her that he left in order to partner with her mother to produce her. So you wonder um, why he would do he would choose to leave those four children with the black mother, and then go to this white woman because, as you said, this woman had no uh, economic benefit to give to him because she was in the same lower socioeconomic strata, but he was attracted to white. He felt that white was better. That's the sickness of white supremacy. And if you and one thing that I've noticed among very light skinned women that I know and mixed race women I know. They don't understand. It's not you that this black male is attracted to. The color. It is his program that compels Mm -hmm. him to seek out somebody. Uh, You know, so many people have written about it, France Fanon. It's it's their desire to get away from themselves that compels Mm -hmm. them to seek out the the whiter person. So even in this situation where these light-skinned or biracial, I don't know, multiracial women deliberately seek black men, it's for the same reason or a similar reason that the white female Correct. pursues black men is to be in a position of, of where you know you're going to be appreciated. I mean, mm-hmm. she's, she talks about, you know, going after, you know, dating, deliberately seeking black men. Well, who's to say the white men were available to her as dates? So I'm saying that, you know, you still, they're still, over, you know, she was still, and many other people overlooked the overriding, Thing and that's white supremacy. You pick a person because of your programming under white supremacy. You choose a person that with less status to give yourself more status, or you mm-hmm. choose a person with more status to give your low self-esteem person self more status. It all centers back around the white supremacy. She didn't pick black men because I mean she deliberately said she picked black men. So how is that seeing people as individuals? In other words, she was getting something out of picking black men 
that made her feel special. And the Correct. reason you can feel special is you're biracial or multiracial. Mm-hmm. I've seen it happen so many times where a white female or a biracial female knows that they have more value with a black male than they have with a white male. Yeah. That is true. So, you know, it's all white supremacy. It's all still white people who have gotten non-white people confused to the point where they act against their own self-interest. Um, excuse me, Pam, it also could be that because they like to see black babies. Because they like to do what? Uh, black babies. They like to have dark. Their, their babies dark. Mm-hmm. Dark colored babies. Uh, I noticed that a lot. A lot of light skinned women do like to have mm-hmm. dark skinned babies because okay. they like to be with dark dark men. Right. And that's what mm-hmm. their their aim is to get dark skinned babies. Yeah. Some some light skinned people have been traumatized by the lightness, and they really want to and they really want to reduce it. Yeah. So, but it still all goes back to white supremacy <laughs> and what white people have done to non-white people and their psychological condition. You are very correct in that because I remember in my confused days when I was in high school way back when, and I remember I dated cowbell Gus. <laughs> I dated this white <laughs> person. Where's <laughs> a <the> cowbell? <laughs> And I I remember it wasn't anything sexual, but I remember he was one of those. My friend introduced me to him on a blind date. They said, okay, this is a white guy, but he's always dated black women. He never dated white women. Yeah. So I, you know, I wanted to know, well, why is it that he always dated um, black women? Mm-hmm. So when I got to find out that his pattern of dating black women, well, he always liked to pick the darker women mm-hmm. to date. He never liked to date the um the in between the light women. He always wanted the darker shade black women. And his whole idea is to dominate them, separate them from their family. Because I remember within the first week of me talking to him, I mean, we talked by phone, it was that I couldn't have any um, contact with my black friends. I couldn't do anything, especially if they were male. He was always upset about it, wanted to know where I was going, wanted to control me. And I said, I can see why that his relationships they never lasted because he wanted them where he could dominate them and control them. And once my father found out, he, my father put a stop to it. He said, no. He said, uh-uh. My father always told me because he said, you are not going to bring any white people, white women or men to my house. Mm-hmm. And he put a stop to that, which I wasn't going because I felt very uncomfortable. The first time we went out, we went to a pizza place on the stairs and everything else. I was very uncomfortable with it. He was comfortable with it because this was something that he has done. But I was very, very uncomfortable with the looks that I got from the blacks as well as the whites. And my father put a stop to that program real quick. Good but as you said, yes, they, he wants to control the women, to dominate them, and to separate you from your friends and your family so he can be the full focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can see Do you remember what your father, if you recall at all, you remember some of the things that your father said to you at the time when you were... Um, you know, trying out that white dude. My, my father, my father' background is um, from the Caribbean, and a lot of his family members had people, so-called white parents, in their family. Because I have my cousins, my first cousins, they have like a white parent, and he remembered the issue because one of my my very first cousin, one of his sister's child, his father is white, and they came from that plantation system, and he said he remembered when. He had to get time for him to get books and whatever for go to school and school clothing. 
he had to go to the back door and beg at his father's house. He was married to a white family, and the woman knew that he had outside children. So he had to go and beg to get things, and his father had to sneak around and come around and give him money and support. So my father said, he said, this is not going to come to his house. He said he's not going to have nobody disrespect his household like that. He said it would never happen. And he picked up the phone one time. He called, he picked up the phone, and he told him, he said, I don't want you calling my house. I don't want you having anything to do with my daughter. Just lose this number and forget you know it. Good for him. Because I'm very disturbed when black fathers uh, uh, remain silent when their black daughters uh, date white men because, that again, we're keeping white people's secrets. Black men and black women know pretty much, I think, what time it is with white people. Mm -hmm. And I'm really happy to hear that your father didn't do what a lot of parents do, and that is keep their mouth shut. You have an obligation to tell your child, to warn your child, to stop them if you can. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, this is nothing new. I mean, black, it kills me how sometimes we act like everything is new. Interracial sex is new. Interracial babies is new. Look at us in the mirror. It can't, it's not new. So the same thing that's been going on for hundreds of years is still the same mentality where white people are using interracial sex to dominate, male and female, to dominate black people, to work out their own personal grievances, to give themselves uh, false status because they're with this inferior person. And I believe a lot of their attraction to us has to do with what you would call a fetish mm-hmm. and a feeling of superiority and having this black person that you can manipulate and toy with and, and do whatever, you know, you're in, you're in control. And they know they're in control. They know they have the power. Yeah, I think that makes them, I mean, uh, to other white people, it makes them a highly valuable white person that they can, um, you know, uh, abuse black people, be in a position to have sex with them and get that black person, you know, practice racism and get that black person to still love them and not think that they're racist. That's a highly valued white person. Um, I was going to say, uh, you remember, was the was, was the white guy that you was, you know, talking to, was he much older or, you know, than you or do you remember? No, we were all the same age. We were all in high school because the first time he came to our house and my father went to answer the door because my father, we always had you had to come to the door. You could not blow a car horn and pick up any of his children. You had to knock, come to the door, come in, sit down and talk to the parents and get to introduce yourself so he could know who you are. So when he first came to the house to get me and my father went and answered the door and he saw who it was, he slammed the door because he asked for me by name. And he slammed the door, and he came back, and he got. He said, he said, there's some white boy at the door asking for you. Do you know who this person is? And I said, yes, who it was. So he went back. He said, what did I tell you all about bringing these type of people to my house? So he, he never, he, he came, so he went back to the door, and he called him in, and he went, went through the grilling, what he was, what his intention was, why he was at his house, and so on. And after he didn't say anything, he said, okay. He said, you have um, you have to be back here by 8.30 was a school night. So we, we double dated with me, him, and my other girlfriend and our brother. We double dated. We went out, had pizza, came back in, and that's when my father let me have it. He said, um, he said this is it. He said, I, I don't want him at my house. I don't want him calling. So when he called the next time, that's when he told him. He said, I don't want you calling my house or coming by or having anything to do with my daughter. Age hey, for your dad. That's great. If any dad that's slamming the doors in white people's face, great. Good job. And it's so significant when the black male does it because, you know, it's just, uh, I mean, your daughters are, are just so vulnerable. 
and um, mm-hmm. you know, more than likely, you know, she's not going to be prepared or have the psychological armor to deal with 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 a with a white male and really see what's happening. And my father was like that. My father had five daughters, and he said no. He said my daughters, because he had daughters before he had sons. My his my my brothers came at the tail end. And he was always very, very, I remember doing more things with my father than I did with my mother. Him, My earliest memory that I have is with my father changing my my pampers when I was about maybe a year or two. That's the first memory that I have of, a, of my childhood. Hmm. So. Hmm. Uh, this, this is 9639. Uh, you know, uh, the question that was asked of her, um, about did she know any white people who um, were trying to undo the system, point out the white supremacy? And um, I don't think she answered that question. She uh, referenced, you know, in the schools, I guess uh, professors and uh, academics, talking about undoing the terminology, but I don't think she ever referenced her knowing anybody that, um, any white persons that uh, were pointing it out and, and working to undo the system. Did um, anybody uh, feel that she answered that question properly? No. I asked I that think. question. I asked that question, and you're right. She didn't. She didn't answer. She, she did just start yeah. talking about. So she kind of went back on training and started talking about all the you know, so-called Tim Wise and Timothy Wise and all these type of people who are doing something, but or excuse me, who are alleged to be doing something. But uh, I don't think she named anybody or was speaking from uh, white people that she knew personally. Because I think I followed up with asking her. You know, any white people that she know that uh, don't do those things, does she think that they're, uh, you know, racist or not racist or something like that? And she's like, yeah, you know, even if they're not trying to get rid of white supremacy or even talking about it, you know, they're they're, they're still not racist. You know? Yeah. But, I mean, I think it's rare, to, in my experience, to meet any white person that's really doing anything other than the professional, uh, the professional, uh, you know, racism pimps. Like Tim Wise. Other than that, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't honestly think of any white person, even so-called nice white people, that are actually doing or saying anything. You know. They're not, because they're going to do one thing, and it's going to make what you know non-whites going to look at that and say, "Oh, this is such a nice white person," mm-hmm. because they are so good at doing that. They're going to do one nice thing, and it's going to throw you completely off your game. <laughs> And you're going to believe that, oh, he's, they're not so bad after all. You know, it's a real great gig for white people. I mean, they can do very little and get a tremendous amount of credit. A tremendous benefit. But a black person, you know, all we remember is the stuff black people do wrong. Mm-hmm. But we remember and praise. Like Tina Marie, when she died, she suddenly became the greatest. She became the mother of hip-hop. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, like, Man, you know, I mean, she was a good singer, a great singer. I thought she was a very talented lady. But it's like we break our neck to give a white person all the credit. I mean, all they have to do is come up to you and say, you know, um, I read uh, I read Trojan Horse. Now all of a sudden, you know, they're this great big hero or something. Mm-hmm. But a black yeah, person has to jump through hoops to get any credit, you know. It's incredible. That's the training. That's the training we yeah. get. And under the system is victims It's non-white people That's exactly how white people How racists train us to be And I think yeah. yesterday She kind of I think she said You know I'm, She didn't feel like She was a suitable daughter-in-law She said when She was with the uh, With the white person um, You know 
the, her, her uh, his uh, family didn't accept her, and she said that her current husband, you know, her fa- his uh, family thinks that she, you know, passed for white or that she might be white. But when she said, when she made the same comments about the about the white person's uh, parents, she said, well, you know, they did, or the white person's family, she said, well, they did, they did all they could do. You know, mm. Except they did, they, they did all, all she put about the black people. It was like you know, yeah, they think they think that I'm white, so you know. But it was like she was saying, well, the white people, you know, they tried, they did all, they did all they could do. Yep. Thanks for bringing that up because she did say that. You know, that's that's a good retrieval that you did because I had heard it, but it didn't stick in my mind. And it did sound like she. Well, I wasn't the best. What did she say? She wasn't the best daughter-in-law anyway, or something to that effect. Was mm. something she said? I don't know. Well, wow, wow. Like you said, it's yes, a training. It's it. wow. Oh, was that good? No, that was mm-hmm. me. That's what she said, that she wasn't the best daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm. That she uh, didn't put that effort in uh, for her family. Uh, that's how I got it. She, I got the same thing, yeah. You see, because with in whites, it doesn't matter. If you have anything other, if you're not 100% white, it doesn't matter what you do, they're not going to be fully satisfied with you. But in coming into the black family or other non-white family, they are so grateful to have someone and have some bit of white in them, it felt they would feel as if they were going to reflect somewhat on them, mm-hmm. the family itself, by having this person who is part white. Mm-hmm. Have you ever noticed that when you're with people, and I've noticed this growing up you know, with my family, when you have that mixed-race child around, Everybody's mm-hmm. like proud. Yep, proud that's magnet. Display that child. It's, it's like a status mm-hmm. symbol. You know, it's like your family has moved up the step to ev- up the evolutionary ladder. Correct. You know, and 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 you're bringing them around at church and this and that. And I used to think as a little girl, I used to think as confused as I was, I still had a little bit of sanity left. And I remember thinking, I'll never have a baby with a white person because it makes all the little black kids feel bad about themselves. I never forget that. And that was one of the main reasons I knew I would never marry a white man. I would never have a child with a white man because I didn't want to perpetuate that because I watched as a little black girl how all the little black kids are made to feel inferior around those mixed-race children. And uh, I wish you that black people as adults, I wish we would be very, very careful not to talk about good hair, not to talk about pretty eyes or pretty color and all this madness where we're praising people for not looking like ourselves which says something about us, and stop damaging our children, and don't let anybody come around your kids talking that way, calling black people gorillas, using the phrase black and ugly. Please, mm-hmm. please, please stop it. Don't let anybody come around your children uh, planting that inferiority in them, because I'm telling you, I remember it all these years later, how it felt. But you only have to see it white people, because white people realize the benefit of dark. Because most of them always get the darker black male or the darker black female to mate with. Mm-hmm. Well, black people love. Well, black people are, I end up being around. They love to say to to children or around children that they're bad. Always, they always say they're bad all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, we we're at a wedding. My child's out there dancing. Music is playing. What do you expect <laughs> to happen? The child's gonna dance, and oh, she's bad. She's just out there being bad. No, mm-hmm. no, no. She's out there dancing. Mm-hmm. Well, well that's what I meant. Well, you know, no, I didn't. I didn't tell her to shut up. But I, you know, I knew that she didn't. She didn't mean that because it's, it's part of the, you know, 
as part of the, um, the, the, the the programming to automatically say bad, you see. Like, uh, for instance, um, I, I know, look, Grand Rapids gets on, on national TV every now and then. And, of course, again, um, first it was the wig incident. The lady fell down on the floor in the Walmart. She tried to put the wig back on while everybody tripping over her. I don't know if y'all remember that. Now, we had a sister uh, go crazy because her car got smashed up on one of the highways. And she went crazy and started tearing up the tow truck department. So, but what I found strange was, was that what I was told in the news report, that a child was there. And she was there with her boyfriend while she's tearing up the building. Her boyfriend, not one time, tried to stop her. So I'm wondering, what kind of program is this brother under? He just going to watch his, his lady go to jail over $200 for a car she can't drive away in anyway. Well, maybe he was on papers. That's why he probably didn't want to get involved. No, I mean, you could pick her up and, and, and escort her out the building. You could do something. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, I can understand you that frustrated. I mean, I can understand her frustration because from the news that I got, she just lost her job, you know, for doing the same thing, going off on, you know, uh, I wouldn't doubt going off on some white people. That's true. And uh, she got fired. Right, she got fired a week or two before this incident. And then when you when you when you uh follow it, you know, the judge is trying to put drug charges on or or, or talk about she's a habitual offender. <laughs> it trying to put drug charges in her and on on her uh platform. So, I mean, you got all kind of frustration. So she's going off again on the judge. So, you know, it's it's like they do things around here to drive you crazy. <laughs> but if that had been a white person that did the same thing, they would have said, okay, he needs anger management. They need to go to some kind of pro community service or do something. It would not have made the news because yeah, white they, people they, do they, it all they, the time. The when young girl that used to play on that Hannah Barbera, Hannah Ber, 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 whatever Hannah Banana show. Hannah uh, Montana. Hannah, Mon- yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, what is it, Lindsay? Somebody? Lindsay she's always. Lohan. I mean, this this chick is. In and out, you know, Charlie Sheen, he's he's able to do what he want to do, obviously, you know. Wait a minute. I got to hop in. <clears throat> I would get fussed at because I had a listener. He emailed me, like, hours before the show went live, and he asked me about Charlie Sheen. So uh, I feel like I would get a cursing if I didn't, uh, didn't ask about Charlie Sheen. His question is, um, he said that I asked about Blake Griffin, whether he's white or not. Uh, he said that he heard the next day on the radio someone was saying Charlie Sheen is not a white person. His real name is something Estevez and that his mother is Latino, whatever that means. I would like for you to ask uh, on the show, is Charlie Sheen a white person or a non-white person? Uh, And he says that this is tricky even for someone less confused, so I'm interested in some of the responses. I think his father is uh, uh, his his, uh, his father is uh, you know, I think right. His father's got the Hispanic name, 
Yeah, Estevez. Estevez. Well, his brother is Emilio Estevez. I think that's one of his brothers. Emilio is his brother. The whole family's name is Estevez. They just changed their name. That's their stage name. Sheen is their stage name. Sheen was Mm -hmm. the father's mother's last name because his father was, I think his mother was Irish or something, so he used her name for Charles, um, his father, Martin Sheen, used that name for his career in Hollywood. But white people looked at him as as white. That's what he's treated as. He's treated as white. I guess that's all that matters. Yeah, I was about to say, I think the uh, the fact his name or who his parents are, all that stuff gets real minimized. It's just like the guess was on the day. It's like, really, at the end of the day, when the white people look at you, are they going to say you are white and allow you to function that way? That's that's how it is determined if a person is white or not. As if other white people say, yep, you know, you're on the team and uh, you can, you know, have all the bennies that go with it. So, yeah. so is that what he is that what he's doing now, testing his white status? Because his father is was was he was his came from a Latina. I think one of one think parents one, was, one. was white, one was non-white. Then his father married a white woman, and then produced Charlie's and his, and his other brothers. Now Charlie has always married white women, so you can see how they have moved. They have moved away from that so-called Hispanic background, and they're it's like like Halle Berry's daughter. They're like two generations away from where they originally started out at. But he looks more white. He acts white, and people with the name Charlie Sheen, they assume he's an Irish person somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he's accepted as white. Yeah. So as far as I'm concerned, he's a white person. I mean, if the white people say he's white, he must be white. He's white. Because look how he's behaving. He's behaving like a typical white person. If he was a typical Hispanic, like a, like a, um George Lopez, mm-hmm. they would have kicked him out a long time ago. Yeah. And, you know, I think they like to show us that white people get away with more stuff. I don't think it's an accident. I don't think it's that he's such a great actor or they love him so much. I think they continually remind non-white people that white people have privileges that we don't have. I think it's important for them to reinforce that. Mhm. I totally agree. I think that's why they they made a big deal about those white people uh, sneaking into uh, 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 the White House when president. They weren't white. They were non-white. The Salahis. He was Palestinian. They, they, they weren't white. Nope. I guess they were passing so then. Are they giving a pass? The white, yeah, the a white pass. Yeah, the white wife definitely looked white. She no. was. She blonded her hair, but they are Palestinian. Hmm. Salahis. That's why I think it's that's a CIA op job that they might have done to let the president know, because this man could have been a Mossad agent or anything that was put in the White House there to let them the president know how close we can get to you if we want to take you out. Well, just uh, I guess a couple shows ago, we oh, you just mentioned Blake Griffin. Uh, and actually, just to just quickly mention, his uh, his father is a uh, is a uh, black, and his mother is white. His actually his uh, father is a uh, what's his uh, basketball coach. Um, uh, I think for his you know uh, as he grew up. So uh, when they went went and traveled and so forth, he was a coach. So he's pretty much uh, Blake Griffin's coach his whole uh, uh, all, all the way through. I think high school. I'm not sure if it was all the way through high school, but he was his coach for. Uh, for a, a, a long time of his life. Hmm. Okay, to get that information, I'm gonna <clears throat> excuse me. I'm gonna uh, take note of that. Uh, since we're talking basketball, my quick thirty seconds. 
I just I was thinking because uh, there was a white gentleman on the program yesterday talking about officiating, and uh, I did I made the program private because I was supposed to have two guests and one of them canceled at the last minute, and so the program was only thirty minutes and it was early and I didn't feel like talking and just uh, you know it was a whole lot of things went awry, but within that thirty minutes I was thinking back and he said. If you were to bet money just looking at the officials, seeing the racial classification of the officials, racial classification of the players, he said you would make a lot of money if you went to Vegas and just bet uh, matching the racial category. So if you see it's going to be an all-white officiating crew, bet on the team with mostly white players, they will win. He said if you just did that, you would make a lot of money. And I was thinking – that might be worthy of making that program available because I did think that was pretty interesting. And he explained, you know, a little bit more about that. But I was thinking, I don't believe there are very many teams in the NBA where they just have no white people on the team. Like they might have, most of the people that play might be black players, but they'll have at least one white person on the team. And I was thinking the Celtics, their team at the beginning of the season, they did not have any white people. And I was just like, whoa, that is really crazy. Like, especially the Celtics, like, you know, given their whole history, even the coach is black and married to a white person. Um, And then they made a trade and now they have two white players on their team. (laughs) And uh, I was I was listening to somebody do a radio broadcast of their game. And he was talking about this new white guy. And he said he got his choice of whether he wanted to play for the Heat or the Celtics. And I stopped, and I just, I was trying to let that register, and I was like, no, he didn't just say what I thought he just said. He didn't just say that this guy got to pick whether he wanted to play for the Heat or the Celtics, which are the two best teams in their conference, a white guy who is not one of the top six players on either of these teams. He got to pick whether he wanted to play for the Celtics or the Heat. And when I saw that, I said, you should put money the Celtics are going to win a championship this year, and I'm just betting because they had to get white players on their squad. I don't think they wanted a team to win with no white people. If I had money, I would bet right now Celtics are going to win just because they put some white people on their team. So June is when the championship is. You can pay attention to see if it would have been accurate to just bet based on racism. Uh, that's one of the things I, I codified that a long time ago. As long as the system exists, you should just bank on white supremacy. Um, we're going to be back in two hours uh, for second program. D'Amico Booth, uh, he's authored a lot of books. We're going to be talking about the top the top 25 things black folks do that we need to stop. Uh, that's the book. And, uh, yeah, he has a lot of – I think one of them is expecting racism to disappear. That's on his list of top 25. So two hours, we'll be back. And uh, my last comment, uh, I am so – pleased. Uh, I got help that I requested. Uh, I don't know if people saw the new uh, graphics on the show page, but a listener came up with that, and uh, I was like, wow. I uh, I do not have any artistic skill, but wow, that is in the ballpark of something that I would have uh, liked to come up with. I think it's fantastic, and I think if more black people had an understanding of white supremacy, man, you would see brilliance like anything you've seen before because that's just the logical thing to do under these conditions is to just use whatever skills you have to work against white people. So uh, I would like some feedback because I hope she's listening. So if you all saw the artwork, if you have feedback on it, that would be great. And 
We'll be back in two hours, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. And, uh, yeah, you have six minutes left. Uh, yeah, I feel that uh, same what, way about football. What, 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 uh, one, one quick thing. Uh, did, did anybody hear about the um, the uh, Egyptian man from San Jose, California, that's suing the FBI because they uh, they put a tracking device underneath his vehicle, and the way he found out is he took his car in to um, his mechanic to get an oil change. Did anybody hear about that? Yeah, I did. I did, I did hear something briefly a few months back. Yep. So check that story. I don't know his name, but he might have been in the military. I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, it's in the news now because I guess the, the trial is uh, the trial date is coming up or something like that. But uh, it's very interesting. In that way. Hey, Gus, I'm on your webpage. It is nice. <laughs> yeah, I just looked at the graph. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it is nice. That looks like um, the Salahis, John McCain's daughter, the Palin's children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it has the worldwide globe in the background. Yeah, this is nice. Wait a minute. What am I looking at? Thought she uh, she heard Mr. Nero's. Uh, they got the whole world in their hands. <laughs> this person listens to the program. <laughs> this is beautiful. Oh, I see it. You know what? I was on a page that didn't have it. Okay, I see it. That is nice. Okay. But like you, oh, I was watching a movie the other night, and what 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 I got from the movie is that, due to the new Patriot Act, and with Homeland Security's involvement, they the only time that they could do a round the clock surveillance on you, is if you are a Muslim. If you're classified as a Muslim, they can do round the clock surveillance on you without having to get a warrant or a court order. But anyone else, they have to go to the courts and they have to get a warrant in order to do a round-the-clock surveillance. Or at least uh, acknowledge surveillance, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure that they they do what they want to do. Yeah, I was about to say, I think Kenneth O'Reilly was on the program and he said, um, you know, they were monitoring, uh, you know, FBI, CIA, white people, monitoring uh, black people who, you know, they wasn't, they wasn't Muslim, um it wasn't, uh, you know, doing nothing. They only had like forty-seven dollars in the bank account or something like that. I think he mm-hmm. specified. He said, Talking. "Yeah, you know, yeah." We he said because uh, black people are treated like garbage. That hey, they're going to be watched a lot more closely. Mm-hmm. And you know, they've never made an agreement that they've ever kept. I mean, you break laws left and right. I mean, please, what they say they can't do or won't do legally. I mean, you could wrap that, wrap a fish up in that, and throw it away. But you, you know the people who's going to take this country down is going to be these these white supremacist groups. They're going to be the ones to take this country down. They can watch all the blacks and all of the other non-whites all they want, and think that they are the most extreme and they're the most dangerous. These homegrown white terrorist cells that they have running around here, they're going to be the ones that's going to take this country and all of these other white nations down because they're on the rise. I think they got something for them, too. <laughs> but they're not being monitored as much as they are the other non-whites, especially so-called Muslim Islamics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I don't know. I, I think they monitor them a, a whole lot because they always got some FBI informants in there that knows exactly what's going on. They, they they know what's going on before it goes on. They just don't they don't do nothing about it until afterwards. Or they help. I them. mean, I mean, we yeah yeah because we wouldn't know nothing about those uh, three uh, boys down in Mississippi that got killed by the KKK if, if it wasn't for an FBI informant who helped. You know, he he had a shovel. So, so but was it they, white they, people they, that got killed? Was it one of the uh, white? person that got killed was a white woman? Are you talking about Cheney, Schwinner, and Goodman? Yes. Okay, yes. that was three, three white uh, people. Oh, that was two FBI. Two and, and, and a brother. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, the FBI informant let us know what happened to them and where they was buried. See, so I think they uh, are in all these groups. They infiltrated all these groups, and, uh, and I think they uh, reported. Okay, round two. Name something that's not Boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.